Welcome to the See You Next Summer podcast. I am your host, Billy Pollahan, and with me as always is the Ron to my Harry, and we're joined by a very special guest today. He's actually British, and he is a good friend of ours from the interwebs, uh, Mr. Matthew Ferrelli. He's been on the show before for our Force Awakens episode. That was a great long episode, and um, we'll call him the Neville Longbottom because <laughs> he, he might not seem like much at first, but no, secretly he is the hero of the story. Yes, I am. I well, it, I'm so happy to be back, guys. I loved being on the Force Awakens, and now I'm get to talk about my personal favorite Harry Potter movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today's an important one because this is. Mm-hmm not only just a much-needed tone shift for the franchise, by critics and fans alike, this is everybody's favorite. And I will say this right off the bat, this is the best quote-unquote movie, yes, like best made movie of the franchise, no doubt. No doubt. Mm-hmm. What about you, Raul? How, how are you doing? Um, me growing up, when I saw, remember when I read the news on a magazine that said a false crown is going to activate Prisoner of Asker, and I'm like, oh my God, me being a fan of Alfonso, what already saw a little princess, his great expectations remake, and also it took my time, I was like, oh, he's going to do amazing. And then seeing it on film, and then last two months ago, I saw they were there was a re release of Azkaban on 4DX here at the Regal. And watching Azkaban, especially at the Dementor scene with the things with the Dempsey's moving, oh my god! And the Quidditch game too. I uh, like, uh, like nerds will say, this is the most cinema of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And you, Matthew? Um, well, honest confession, this was the first ever Harry Potter movie I ever watched. Mm. Um, um, I I actually remember like when I was about. I mean, at seven or eight years old, my sister got me got the free Harry Potter like film collection on on DVD because they were releasing Goblet of Fire, and then and so Rachel got my sister Rachel got Philosopher's Stone, Chamber of Secrets, and Prince of Azkaban, and I'd always had a keen eye to watch Azkaban because I'd seen the teaser for it on TV at the time, and I remember being just, like really wowed by the effects, the action, the special like you know and something just seemed peculiar about it. And so when it came to um, watching Prisoner of Azkaban, like within like the first five minutes, I sort of knew like, oh, this is kind of special, isn't it? And uh, and I guess you could say my love of the Harry Potter franchise kind of began. I, um, I don't share the same love of Harry Potter that I do with like, say, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. But, you know, for a Brit growing up in like the early 2000s, watching Harry Potter was kind of a big bit of a big deal for me. And so, you know, and, and so, yeah, I, I love this franchise and um, Prince of Azkaban is kind of a bit of a treat for me. So, yeah, I was actually going to ask mm-hmm. you about that, especially you being British. Just mm-hmm. I know how much of a worldwide phenomenon it was mm-hmm. and I know how it was like in America. Raul knows how it was like in Mexico, mm-hmm. but just how big was it in Britain? I can imagine that it was the worst there. I wouldn't say it's the worst there. I mean, it's like it's it, the the thing with me is, is that every single time I go see a Harry Potter movie, it's always like, you know, the... I even see it on opening weekend. So Half-Blood Prince, D- Deathly Hallows Part 1, Deathly Hallows Part 2, I saw opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the Phoenix, I didn't see on opening weekend. I saw like two weeks later and it was a bit of a like silent crowd. 
Um, but then afterwards, like it was packed, packed house, packed house. Everyone mm-hmm. was was on the Harry Potter hype train. Um, and yeah, it's it was it was great. It was um, one of the first times. It's this and Revenge of the Sith was kind of the first times where I felt like a like a packed crowd. Like, and I felt like the the mood of the crowd, and it was so much fun to see. And and see evolve over the films as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I have a very interesting relationship with this movie Ooh. because this is actually the story that got me introduced to the franchise. So this movie was about to be released. I was around eight years old at the time. And my mom wanted to, she bought a hardcover of Prisoner of Azkaban. We were going to read it together and just hopefully just get some context before going into the movie, see what they would change and all that stuff. We got to the Dementors and I got so scared that I just stopped cold Turkey. Then like maybe like a year or two later, um, like when Order of the Fe- or when Order of the Phoenix came out, I think is when, uh, or it might have been when Goblet of Fire came out, honestly. But I decided to read the books on my own because I was really just I wanted to see more of this world. I was just I wanted to give it a second chance, and so I got my mom to get me like the five book because Order of the Phoenix was the latest released book at that time. They all came in a box set. They were all in paperback. I read through all of them and I fell in love with the franchise. And then I did watch uh, prisoner of Azkaban on my own. And I just remembered watching it so much and I would get the DVDs when they were released. I still have the co- the original DVDs and everything with the original covers, all that. And this is one that I would watch a lot of the time. It was this and Gobble to fire. Gobble to fire was just like, because I had that same long hair and, it's a meme and also it's like, got robert pattinson in it so very very yes. early robert pattinson it was it was the movie that got introduced me to robert pattinson and david tennant my boy <laughs> my boy we'll talk about that next week but no this is a very important one mm-hmm. and i didn't know at the time that alfonso Cuarón was the director uh i had seen like posters for children of men which i have rectified that raul insisted i watch it mm-hmm. it's one of the greatest movies of all time. And I have since watched a ton of Alfonso Cuarón's work and he is an amazing director. He's the best director of all the people in this franchise. I think we can yes. all agree yeah. on that. Yeah. And even after like, was it like four films that David Yates directed in the Harry Potter franchise, plus two Fantastic Beast movies, one Mike Newell film and two Chris Columbus films, no one's topped Alfonso for me. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. And no, I didn't know at the time with Itu Mama Tambien, this was mm-hmm. kind of a risk because that is a very, very adult film, very risque and just anything but a kid's film. But they both so, share same similar similarities, though. Mm-hmm. And also, I like I told Billy, because it's weird that Warner Brothers forgot that Alfonso made A Little Princess for them. I think it was like 94, 95, like seven years before. I was like, the Warner Brothers forgot that they made a, that he made. I know that Little Princess was a small film, but still, Alfonso, this is the thing that I love, especially here in Prisoner of Azkaban. He can mix the fantasy and the adolescence feelings and emotions so well. And this is technically the biggest movie that Alfonso ever made because after this, he made Children of Men, Gravity, and then Roma. But this is his like only franchise film. 
that he ever did. And it's pretty interesting. It is. And, uh, yep, released in 2004. I remember this was, um, this is actually the second highest grossing uh, film. And it's the lowest grossing film in this franchise, surprisingly. Yeah. It's weird, though. Yeah, you would think, but it's the high, it's the second highest grossing film of 2004. Does anybody know what number one was? Oh, Spider-Man 2. No, but it was a sequel. Oh, oh, Ooh. oh my god. Um, oh, ah, 2004. 2004, 2004. Oh my god. Ah, darn. Um, Animated. Oh, so oh. Shrek 2. Shrek 2. Shrek 2. I was going to say Shrek, yeah. Shrek 2 made almost like... like I think it was like almost $930 million. Yeah. Damn. It, it crushed The Incredibles, which came out the same year. Yeah. It was, wait, a, good wait, year. It was same, a good year for movies. In the same year, we, you're saying that we had Spider-Man 2, Shrek 2, Harry Potter, The Prisoner of Azkaban. It was an amazing year for That film. was an amazing year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just look up all the movies that were released at that time. Oh, yes. Um, I also just from the opening scene, let's just start our recap because mm-hmm. I just want to get into this. That's kid off... masturbating. It starts with Harry. He's looking over his homework with Lumos Maxima, which if you're a book reader, it doesn't make any sense because you're not allowed to do magic outside mm-hmm. of school, but yeah. you don't really care. He keeps waking up uncle Vernon and then we get Lumos Maxima. I knew immediately that this franchise was going in a different direction from the title sequence. Yeah. Because now it's this metallic silver color. Hmm. And the colors are a lot more muted. And it's still not like um, completely gone, like mm-hmm. some movies in the franchise. But it's still like, like there are still some warm colors, a lot of yellows. But there's everything just feels a lot um, kind of like on a rainy day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and where also, everything does just it feels like, that this movie looks grainy? It was one of those movies that you can still see like it was made on film. And even I also the, took advantage of it. Yeah, even the Warner Brothers logo is like personally my favorite like use of the logo because it starts like with a tiny like light and mm-hmm. then it gets bigger and then it reveals the, the WB and then you see the full Warner Brothers logo. I think that's the probably the best like use of the logo in, in the franchise, I feel. Mm-hmm. And you get the John Williams music. This is actually, I have to correct myself from last episode, this was the last movie that John Williams worked on. And it's my favorite Potter franchise. And it's the best score in the franchise as well. Yes. It has a lot of great scores and just like pieces of music that, yeah, I associate with this franchise, especially like towards the end. You, you'll know what piece of music I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah, then it cuts to Vernon's Uncle Vernon's sister, Marge, mm-hmm. is visiting, played by the actress that played Miss Trunchbull in Matilda. So you know she's bad news already yeah. with her bulldog. Matilda's a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> her fucking bulldog ripper. Because in the books, Marge breeds bulldogs. Which, I mean, <laughs> again, that's a very British thing. Bulldogs are a very popular breed there. And yeah, all that. yeah, very much so. <laughs> and uh, she is just as, she's even worse than Vernon. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, at least Vernon had Petunia and stuff where it was like he doesn't physically beat him when he has to you feel like marge would do that like anyway even if he did something right yeah and also like you know the fact that uh, marge kind of insults the the family name of the potters like it's you know it's you know 
hearing that for the first time, like it's kind of a really, it's the first time that Harry Potter started getting a little bit more mature, more for mm-hmm. like young adults. Like the first two were kind of more for kids, but there's sort of an adult edge to it. This one will start to be like, okay, this film, we're going to go for the teenage like audience and more young adult type audience crowd. So, yeah. And I feel like that's what some, uh, something like Alfonso had that mindset where he's mm-hmm. like, okay, kids are primarily the target for these movies and they're growing up with the kids on screen. So I feel like he wanted to reflect that. And he was the perfect choice because JK lobbied for him very much. And he did things like he would make Daniel Rupert and Emma, the Harry mm-hmm. Ron Hermione. Mm-hmm. Um, they, he made them write an essay about why they, um, their, their characters are about their characters. And uh, Rupert didn't write his, which is something that Ron would do. And he wanted them to understand their characters and like the clothes are unkempt and untucked and stuff, which is like something that kids do because kids don't give a shit about looking neat and it's much more relaxed as well. It's little touches like that, that really add up that I love. Yeah. And Alfonso loves detail a lot. (laughs) That's the other thing about Alfonso. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and even like right from the first scene like like even like the the use of the camera work as well like it um like in the first two it, it had sort of like a stale like quality i always not i'm not a biggest fan of the first two because i always feel like the first two are kind of like stale in comparison the first one has the, this one has really unique like it's more like more handheld especially in the like the dursey like household mm-hmm. and then as it well, as the scene keeps going, it just starts to get more crazier. Yeah, <laughs> like it feels like like the camera is a character. Yeah, like the yes. cameras always. It feels like it's moving. It's never because I get what you're saying. The Chris Columbus ones, the camera is very static. Yeah, it just stays there and it shows the scene. Here, there's a lot of long takes. Yeah. Man, yeah. does Coron love his long takes? Also, the other thing that I noticed until now. This is the most fastest moving of all of the movies. Yeah. You think about it. There's like never the a slow moment. Like talking about pacing, there's never a slow moment. There's not kind of like a break. This movie moves fast, but it still is following the plot. See there, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> I get what you're saying. But yeah, um, typical terrible Karen ants. You know that yes. Marge is totally like a supporter of are you know who? Or, or <laughs> yeah. Johnson, of course. Yeah, <laughs> not topical at all. But, uh, <laughs> it is eerie how similar him and the other guy are. But, uh, yeah, no, she's talking shit about the Potters. They're having dinner. She makes the dog drink some brandy. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which it's like even Harry is like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Dudley has a bib, and she's saying these baseless things like James Potter was a drunk. And the it's the mother. He she calls Harry's mom a bitch. Yeah, literally, because she's like, if there's something wrong with the bitch, there's something wrong with the puff. And this is oh, the first no. time it's like, oh shit, Harry, Harry is getting legitimately angry, mm-hmm. and fed up. Because you always seen him like fed up, but here he's just like, it's becoming much more assertive. And uh, then he blows her up. She <laughs> swells up like a balloon, and yep. a lot of it is practical. Yeah. Um, and I love that the buttons, when they come off, of uh, clocks. That's another thing I noticed a lot. There are a lot of clocks, mm-hmm. which is very important because time is a big thing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Good, good setup. Cuckoo clock, and a button knocks out Dudley right in the face. <laughs> and uh, 
Harry also is trying to keep his temper because he needs his uncle to sign a permission slip for him to go into Hogsmeade, which mm-hmm. is like the village outside of Hogwarts. Yeah. And after this debacle of Marge floating up into the sky. Well, you, you didn't forget the the best line in the film where like where like Vernon tries to like hold her like pick, get her get her down and like she and she's like don't you dare and it's like she lets him go it's just a funny line <laughs> and, and and what's what's even funny is that um dudley just keeps watching tv he's like addicted yeah. to television and then he's just like oh i'm just gonna watch tv again like that is just classic dudley moment also petunia she's like just saying bye <laughs> <laughs> and, and harry is just like immediately he just goes to his room gets his trunk he's just like oh shit i'm gonna die but also mm-hmm. i don't want to be here anymore and so yeah. he literally threatens vernon with his wand and he's just like you're not allowed to do magic outside of school and he's like oh yeah try me mm-hmm. and yeah. he's just he rightly says she deserves what she got and he's just like you have nowhere to go and he's like i don't care anywhere's better than here so he goes out it bugged me that he didn't take hedwig that oh. was the, that was the one thing that i was like i'm like you forgot your owl dude you, I mean- you got everything else but in its place, you, you at least see Marge in the background when he's walking out. Like, I always like that attention. Oh, yeah, to in the background, and you hear her still screaming. Yeah, I, I've always loved that. Like, I've always loved that scene. And then the eventual transition into um, one of my favorite scenes in the franchise, because it's so suspenseful, Like, is the scene where he's just waiting. Like, he's just waiting at a, a v- abandoned part of the neighborhood, and, like, it's it's dark it's quiet like you can kind of feel like something's brewing in the air and then like the you know the you know, the playground and then you see a fairly like you see a, a like i think what well, i thought it was a wolf at one point but then it turns mm-hmm. out it's a dog and then that dog comes back into play and then you hear a horn and which is of course the night bus <laughs> one of my uh- oh the night bus yeah. that scene that's like straight out of horror Yes. Because, you know, it's building up the suspense and there's a lot of tension. And then you see something that you're not quite sure is there or real. Mm-hmm. And then it's stopped by a loud noise. And then you think it's like something else. But I originally thought like the horn was like a boat. I was like, what's, what's a boat doing? But then <laughs> we get the night bus, which is a double-decker bus, which those are very common in Britain, I believe. It's te- it's, I think it's technically a triple-decker in this case. Mm. It's, it's big. It's very tall. It's purple. And we get this nasty looking dude, uh, Stan Shunpike, <laughs> just like, welcome to the night bus. Um, what are you doing down there? <laughs> He's like, I fell. Well, get up. <laughs> and he's just like, get on. And we just see one guy sleeping and the driver who has glasses way too big for him with a shrunken head that talks. Yeah. And a Jamaican accent. And he's just like, take her away. And, yeah, take it's her gonna away. Be, it's going to be a ride. <laughs> <laughs> and then this chaotic scene is so fast and everything. Uh, yeah. And it's and it's what's crazy is that it's actually, it actually still feels magical at the same time. Like it's the first film in the franchise, first scene where I realized, oh my God, this is true, like pure magic right there. And it's like, <laughs> pun intended, pun intended. Also, so. the thing that I love about this scene, and there's some scenes that you, it felt like you're on a ride. And the night bus, like the way that Quaron is moving, the like like Billy said, like the camera is is technically us, like we're seeing the characters, and the way you feel like you're on the night bus, and I love how you hear the sound and everything around it. Also, you notice uh, the 
the specific sound that I never noticed of the ones in this film are so completely different to the other films. The way you hear like, whoo, like uh, every time that they're trying to do a spell, I never, never noticed that before until now. They do. They play that sound. Like I also have the Lego Harry Potter games, which I <laughs> highly recommend. Those are the best Harry Potter games. Don't at me. And whenever you light up the wand for like Lumos, it makes that sound. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so sound. cool. And I mean, also this, the, uh, the Lego games in general are just so p- great with franchises. Mm-hmm. And like that was made for like a, a game like Harry Potter. It, it's magic. You can do anything. I mean, that's that's the premise of games and stuff. But yeah, it, he moves everything, but it's not movement where it's distracting. Like there's too much stuff in your face or anything. Everything mm-hmm. has like a purpose. And then Harry, of course, just like, won't the muggles see us? And you're like, muggles, they know we're moving so fast. Mm-hmm. And then we see the picture of Sirius Black, played mm-hmm. by the great Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. And AKA the best actor in this franchise. One of the best Ooh. for sure. Yeah. I don't know about the best, but he's definitely top top tier. He can do he has done pretty much everything. I will add of. the telenovela villain Jason Isis as Lucius Malfoy also to the list. <laughs> <laughs> the best <laughs> actors in this franchise. <laughs> They're packed with really good actors. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like and then he's like, Oh, I was like, who who is that man? Like like it's like you ain't never heard of like Sirius Black. He's a murderer. Yeah. Got, himself, got himself locked up in Azkaban. He was a bit of a follower of you know who. Reckon you you've sure. heard of him. Reckon you've heard of him. Yeah. That's my good. Imp- that's my best impression of that voice. So yeah. Oh, you're doing a great work. He's so disgusting looking. He's got like all this acne and shit. Yeah, and, and the fucking Cockney accent just—it kills me. <laughs> it's brilliant. You know so. what? He, uh, the guy from the night bus, looks like a lost cousin of David Spade. If you think about it, yeah, <laughs> the first cousin of David Spade. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. He's just like, but that's the thing, right? Is that nobody's broken out of Azkaban? There was one other person, but we just didn't know about that mm-hmm. in the books. But um, yeah, he's just like, so that's the whole thing. Why? Who is Sirius Black? Why did he break out of Azkaban? What is his purpose? That's the whole thing. And it's mm-hmm. it's exposition dialogue, but it's done in a way that's organic. Yes. And he drops him off at the Leaky Cauldron. And then we get, like, the I didn't know who this guy was, but I learned it's Tom, the bar owner. They remade him into a hunchback for some reason, like, made him more, like, comedic, mm-hmm. which is weird because last, like, in uh, Philosopher's Stone, uh, he was, like, a normal guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Harry up there, and uh, the Minister of Magic is up there, and he's just yeah. like, uh, "Oh yeah, Harry, um, you know that thing you did to your aunt? Yeah, we uh, we brought her down, wiped her memory. It's never happened." He's just like, um, "Shouldn't That's you arrest convenient. me?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Shouldn't you arrest me?" What? We don't send people to Azkaban for blowing up their aunts. <laughs> and the guy's like, uh, "Was that was that sexual?" But I noticed that until now. <laughs> but, but, but literally, what's weird is that literally two movies later, he's like, "Oh, like we will send you to Azkaban for like performing a magic spell." Like politicians. Cornelius Fudge is a, such a strange character, such a weird, <laughs> conflicted character. Cornelius Fudge sucks. He's one of the worst. Like, yes, I mean, like not written characters, but I mean, like as a person, he sucks. <laughs> well, and see, also. 
Harry got lucky again, like in Chamber of Secrets. Someone bought her his books, so he got his books for free. And they brought Hedwig as well. He's just, although Fudge does say, he's just like, look, blowing up your aunt's bad, but running away from home, that's not cool. Because Harry's supposed mm -hmm. to be 13. He yeah. actually has a point there. Yeah, running away from home in that young age is never a good idea, kids. Yeah. But he's just like, I paid for your stay. You're good. And uh, yeah, uh, everything's good. Uh, keep out of trouble, especially with Sirius Black on the loose. And he's just like, okay, but what does that have to do with me? He's like, oh, oh nothing, nothing. Just, just yeah. ignore it. Ignore <laughs> it. <laughs> Don't see that man behind the curtain, Harry. Oh, no, no, no. That's a wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just transitions to the many uh, transitions of going through glass mm -hmm. and mirrors <laughs> to the next like some time has passed and then we see um oh yeah we saw a cat chasing a rat and that is hermione's cat crookshanks yeah chasing yes. scabbers and ron and hermione like an old married couple are bickering downstairs in the leaky as cauldron always. as always yeah. and then it's just like harry this is the first movie also where i noticed how much older they were getting like they were getting mm -hmm. taller um, their voices were starting to deepen. Yeah. And yep, the Weasleys are there. Well, of course they are. <laughs> because they of course are. they are. And also, yep. this is my favorite scene, talking about long takes. Oh, in this yeah. movie because of how Mr. Weasley's like, hey, Harry, can I talk to you for a minute? I was like, um, do you know about Sirius Black? I was like, yeah, he, he escaped from Azkaban. That's not the only thing. And the way that Alfonso moves with the dialogue and seeing the special effect of Sirius Black's poster moving, the way that he built the tension so good because he's like, a, he was a follower of you-know-who. He was the one that technically doesn't say the whole thing, but was like, he ratted out your parents and I want you to promise, you some, promise me something, Harry. Please, you will not look for Black. Why would I look for someone that tries to kill me? Yep. And then it cuts. Oh, yeah. Um, also, the Weasleys, um, they went to Egypt mm -hmm. because Mr. Weasley wanted some money. So they were able to go to Egypt in the books. It's so they could visit their oldest, Bill, and all the families there. And, and that's to important. bring wine to fill the Nile. Don't forget about that. To fill the Nile. <laughs> 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 Oh, Gal Gadot, you and your <laughs> adorable accents. <laughs> yeah, and then it, uh, I love the smash cut to Scabbers, and Mrs. Weasley is trying to get Scabbers on because Scabbers keeps disappearing on Ron for some reason. Very, very sketchy, but it's great mm -hmm. foreshadowing. Yeah. And then we get, um, they go in a compartment, and Harry's just like, okay, guys, I got to tell you something. Because it turns out the sleeping man next to them they're just like, oh, it's Professor R.J. Lupin. And then Ron's like, how do you know everything? And she's like, it's on his suitcase. <laughs> like, <laughs> And yep. And then it's just like, Sirius Black is coming after you. He escaped Azkaban to get to you. Yes. And then we get the creepiest scene that traumatized me as a child. Yeah. It traumatizes me scene. still. I know what you guys explain it. I don't want to talk uh, about it. I... When I read this on the book, like a year before this movie came out, I was like, uh, I wonder how they're going to be. I even imagined that the Mentos even creepier than the way that Alfonso did it. Like, uh, But 
for a PG film, the way that he makes like a, the way that you see the Dementor walking and the way that sound is dropping and you almost hear no sound and you only hear the breathing of the Dementor. Yeah. It feels like you're about to see that itself. And I love how Alfonso framed that so damn well. And also with everything going into ice. Ah, yeah. Ah, that's something that's not it. in the books as well, but they had to show it because the whole point of the Dementors, I think the description was like, it makes you feel cold mm-hmm. and depressed. Like you'll never, like Ron even says it, like I'll never be happy again. And just all the lights go out like, foo, 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 mm-hmm. and it's raining outside. And it's that cold sort of rain where you just feel like it's freezing rain. Mm-hmm. And the music. Freezes. And the music by John Williams, I was going to say, like, that, like, it's one of, uh, for, uh, for a composer who is known for lights and, like, very colorful, mm-hmm. this is actually, honestly, like a horror movie type score. Like, Again, it's, like, it's another horror scene where the tension is just stretched and you don't know what is there. And then Ron is like, there's something out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, like, the strings just go, like, that shot of the hand. It looks yeah. like, oh my god! god I, it was like the Grim Reaper, or like the devil, just yeah. like coming to take your life away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the uh, way that you said that everything is cool, Harry will have made kind of like a circle of salt to protect himself from the Dementors from Sam and Dean. God damn it! I knew you were gonna get. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were gonna get. We need Sam and Dean Winchester, <laughs> but Dean doesn't fly, so that would be a problem. <laughs> and, yeah, then it turns out. This thing literally starts sucking Harry's soul out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't know it at the time, but you're like, he's doing something to Harry, and you're like, stop playing with the Photoshop smudge, yeah. bro. And, and you feel like he's like taking Harry's life away, but then you see the man wake up, cast mm-hmm. a spell, and we hear this woman in the background yelling, "Harry!" And he passes out. And then it's the, the one of like three times where. Like you see it from like Harry's point of view, mm-hmm. where he's like waking up and everything. Yeah. All the images are gradually coming back. Yeah. And also, the, man, the other thing, there's a lot of shots that it feels like you're in a dream. A lot of things yeah. that the way that Alfonso frame and also the way the cinematography feels like you're in a dream. Mm. Oh, for sure. And this man, it turns out, uh, Professor Lupin, mm-hmm. which I believe means wolf. Wolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, JK is not. She is not very subtle with things. <laughs> His name is Remus as well, which Remus is a constellation. Oh, so she has. She's very good with. Uh, she's good with name association, but they're very on the nose. And, well, uh, maybe just JK like, Rowling got inspired by Doctor Who. I oh, know that was later. Uh, that the wolf thing. <laughs> oh, bad wolf. Hashtag bad wolf. Um, and then he, of course, does what any middle-aged man does, even though it's very creepy. Here, have some chocolate. You'll feel better. Every every depressed person will tell you this is true. <laughs> chocolate, if you get really good chocolate, or like a chocolate frog, man, it, it warms you up real well, quick. I thought that Lupin, that over, he always had a chocolate bar on his pocket, I thought that Lupin was a diabetic. And maybe that's why he needed a chocolate maybe. bar there in his pocket. My Especially thing, what we know later. Yeah. My other thing as like a, a logical person, I'm surprised that his chocolate never gets melty. Is the AC that good at how well, I mean, it's magic. <laughs> you could just say that they just made a chocolate that doesn't melt. Ah, yeah. There you go. It's a magic chocolate. Yeah. 
Yep, but he's just like, that was a Dementor, one of the guards of Azkaban, and those things frighten me. Still, yeah. I am mm-hmm. I am a 26-year-old man. I am still terrified of these things, and just the way that they move, it's so eerie and foreboding. What's really they, gave, they gave me nightmares. And what's Seriously. really weird, yeah, what's really weird is that even after the appearing in Order of the Phoenix, Deathly Hallows Part 1 and Deathly Hallows Part 2, they have still never been able to capture the in scary and intensity of Chris and Raskaban. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah, because they're also like a key part of this movie because, again, it's directly linked with Azkaban Prison. And yeah. you're just like, how is Sirius Black able to get past these guys? Mm-hmm. Seriously, yeah. that suck the life out of you and leave you just this apathetic, miserable mess. Like yeah. you can't get anything done. And yeah. there is a way he did it, which I'll explain later. But <laughs> yeah, they're just like, oh, they were looking for Sirius Black. Okay. Also, it's a thing that I have a curiosity question though. Remember that Hagrid spent maybe like a weekend on Azkaban and Chamber of Secrets. The Hagrid got to experience. Being with a Dementor, probably everybody. That, that's everybody. a really that's a good uh, that's a really good question that I, all of a sudden I came up with. Yeah, it's why yeah. nobody wants to go to Azkaban. It's a terrible <laughs> place. Yeah, it's it's like Alcatraz. Yeah, especially with what we see in Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And then we get um, a new shot of the castle, but it's always raining. Yes. It yeah, seems like there's always something coming down with the weather. Yeah, but and it, but also it leads into one of my well actually not this might be my favorite scene in the film, which is the actual reveal of Albus Dumbledore. Like they play Double Trouble, like which is a very famous like mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty much a sung version of what the witches say in Macbeth, but it's like it's done for like it, it's played very well with the music, and then j- just like that, Albus Dumbledore appears like. Oh yeah, you're right. Something wicked this way comes. Yeah, I totally forgot that is from Macbeth. Yeah, and it's it's such a it's such a great like use of the of the of the, of the quotations. The so, yes, yeah. <laughs> the frogs fucking kill me though. I don't yeah. know why my brain went when you said and just like that, big died. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And then yep, we get Albus Dumbledore this time played by uh, another Irish actor, Michael Gambon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The great Michael Gambon. Um, he does a very different take on Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah. Oh and, yes. But um, but uh, even like I I really like Michael Gambon as as Albus Dumbledore, and I do respect that he doesn't copy and paste Richard Harris. But mm-hmm. I I still have a bit of a soft spot for Richard Harris as like my personal favorite Dumbledore. Yeah, he was much more like calm and inviting. Like you could trust this man. Like if. If you would get him angry, you would know you were in deep shit. You get this yes. Dumbledore angry. Like, he doesn't have as inviting of a presence. Like, mm-hmm. he still has that. A lot of times he is calm. But especially... Ne- next movie, that's not Dumbledore. I'm just going to tell you right there. <laughs> Dumbledore would never act like that in... Um... You can put your nephew in the cover of fire! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I have so many criticisms about Goblet of Fire and as a book fan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, Albus Dumbledore in that movie, that's not Dumbledore. He would never act like that. And that's not but... Dr. Who. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, he was in Dr. Who. Yes, he was. Special. Yes, he was. He was. Very good Scrooge-esque um, character. But yes, he is talking about, oh yeah, by the way, uh, Dementor is going to be posted outside the castle without my permission. And I just want you to know, and it's a great 
long take and mm-hmm. you get all the warm yellow inviting colors sorry about the background noise um and he's talking like uh he know, says the mentos are relentless creatures they will not distinguish between the innocent and the one that they're they're hunting giving them no reason to harm you it's not in their nature to be forgiving yes and then he does the candle trick where he's just like just remember you'll be out in the dark but just or um uh, you probably have the line wrong. There's but, always, uh, I don't have the line, but I was like, a, there's always a moment that it could be something in the darkest, but there's always going to be light. Well, yeah, happiness can be found if when you turn on the lights. Yeah. So, Great Dumbledore quote. He does have some really good dialogue. Yeah. And then we are, and then they leave, and then they go to the Gryffindor common room where there's a new um, uh, lady on the. I can't remember the actual name. I've heard like fat lady, yeah. fat lady, fat lady, yeah. And then it's that old uh, proverb of "It ain't over till the fat lady sings" or, or tries to <laughs> sing. She's trying to break the glass, but uh, they're just like, "Let us in!" And she's yeah. like, "All right." And oh. this is like, this is like the one moment where we see Harry and Ron actually just chill out mm-hmm. with like Neville, Seamus, and Dean. They're having candies that are like different animals, which is like great. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the gummies. Yeah, I love Seamus's tie is just on his head for some reason. I don't know why. That's just really amusing. And we get the Harry. He has like like a train for some reason because you see yeah. the steam coming out of his ears. Mm-hmm. And then we just see from the warmth of the common room of everybody just having a great time, just these figures just floating outside the castle. And so it's so creepy, man. It's so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, and then and then we get into well, one of the there's a few bit of a changes with like Hogwarts in this film. Like I don't know if you noticed compared to like oh geographically two, too. Yeah, yeah, geographically as well. Like Hog, like um, you know, Hagrid's hut is like is now not no, it is next to the um, Forbidden Forest, but it's like in a different location. They they introduce like um, the bridge. Which is, I think, like, like, in which in the first one, it was like it was sort of like um, it wasn't really a, a bridge; it was some sort of like a hall area. But mm-hmm. now this one, it's now like you get to see the like Hogwarts feels more, a lot more expanded in this one, I think. Yeah, and they cut back to these locations multiple times, and you really get a feel of like, oh, this is where Hagrid's hut is. It's at the bottom of a big ass mm-hmm. hill now, and this is where the bridge is, and, and this the is where. Willow. The Whomping Willow is in a very yeah. different place. It's outside the castle. And you also get like, oh, this is where the clock tower is, which is next to the hospital wing. And mm-hmm. it's all these things. They cut back to these locations all the time. And it's through the different seasons as yeah. well, which I really love. Like they cut back to the Whomping Willow three or four times mm-hmm. to show just how like this is something that you don't want to come across. The yeah. giant tree that will try to kill you. It kills many birds. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And it's also and also a great progression of time as well. Time is, is a major theme. I was just about to say, and then I think this is where. Oh yeah, we learned that the care of magical creatures professor retired to spend time with his remaining limb. Damn. <laughs> and so we are pleased to announce our new professor, <laughs> Rubius Hagrid. So Hagrid's the new care for magical creatures mm-hmm. professor, which is very fitting because he has a very special bond with magical creatures. Like with, especially in this movie, are mm-hmm. one of our favorite magical creatures. Yeah, <laughs> I think this is where that scene comes from. And next. then afterwards, we get the divination class. Oh yes, yes. Talk about Emma Thompson, please. Oh yes. Emma Thompson, 
Uh, before she was the mother of Emma Stone in Cruella, amazing <laughs> telenovela movie from Disney. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I love that she's like, I'm Professor Trelawney. And uh, she's like, uh, we have to open your minds. <laughs> and she's like, we have to cast ourselves into the future. <laughs> and, and, and then all of a sudden we focus on Harry and Ron. And when she says that, all of a sudden Hermione appears. I was like, oh, that sounds like a rubbish. And she and was like, what the fuck did you got here? <laughs> <laughs> One of the yeah. first times that Ron notices that Hermione all of a sudden shows up. And as I was like, a, and then hey, Trelawney, she's like, a, well, today we're going to divinate your future through three leaves. And so then uh, Ron is, re is reading Harry's like, well, you have this kind of like symbol. Um, you're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy about it? And Trelawney mm -hmm. grabs the, the teacup and she's like, oh, oh you have the grim. Just oh, the close-up on her face. She yeah. has those glasses that make her yeah. eyes way too big. Like, she's she's a crazy lady. And then uh, Alfonso, he's like, a, okay, kid from How to Get Away with Murder. We're going to get another black kid to give some exposition? <laughs> Literally the another black kid, and he's only there for two lines, but they're both just like... He gets good to go to lines, though. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, it's the grim... Open your mind. Yeah, he he's the kid tells yes. like a, the grim is kind of like a giant black dog. It's an omen of death. What is up with Mexican filmmakers and death? That's oh, we love death. <laughs> love death so way too much. Especially again, the Grim Reaper imagery with Tim, with the Dementors. Is uh -huh. how like the Arctic and Bleh, how dark and depressing everything is, but mm -hmm. yes, everything is there. Oh yes, Lupin is also the defense against the dark arts professor, beating yes. out Snape once again, which is very insulting because they sit him right next to Snape when you know their history. That's just hilarious mm -hmm. and more tragic depending on how you feel about Snape. And yes. Lupin is and Lupin's played by the amazing David Fulis. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love him on Big Mouth as appropriately enough, the Shame Wizard. <laughs> I swear ah. to God, that is the name, and he's a phenomenal in that. Wow! And, and then after we get this, to Hagrid's, we, we get to Hagrid's class. But I love that Ron is talking with with Hermione. I was like, Hermione, how many classes are you taking? A few, and also, but you know, the best class, uh, better than divination, is Ancient Ruins. So it's like a oh, hang on, bro. It's like a Ancient Ruins and divination are at the same time. And Hermione was like, how can you be in a place at the same time, Ron? Don't be. Don't be, don't be dumb. Oh, we have to see ourselves into the future. And she's imitating Trelawney. And I love this thing of like Hermione talking about growing up. We always had as teenagers those professors that we hated, that we know we don't give a fuck about that class. And I love that Hermione, even though she's so smart, she's like, I don't give a fuck about that class, okay? <laughs> she's like, it's because she's not good at it, which is very <laughs> upsetting for Hermione because she's literally good at everything else. Yeah. And, I mean, you knew it had to happen because Hermione mm. can't be good at everything. Mm -hmm. She she has to have some flaws. And divination is that flaw, which is basically just hippie tea reading. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. It, it's not a very important class, though, <laughs> depending on if you're, like, spiritual or whatever. And... And we get to Haggard's class and he he gets everybody to gather around his hut and then they <laughs> go to the Forbidden Forest. And then we meet our creature, Buckbeak. 
the hippogriff, which has the head of like like an eagle, mm-hmm. and has the wings too, has the claws, but like the body of like a big horse. Yes, sort of thing. Yeah. It's yeah, it's like sort of like a griffin esque creature. Yeah, it's a beautiful design. It's a really good design mm-hmm. compared to the compared to uh, this is this is. Listen, I've seen Fantastic Beasts, the the secrets of Dumbledore, like like Hippogriff is like like I take Hippogriff over any of the beasts in the Fantastic Beasts franchise, even 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 the third one. I am so sorry, like not even um, the uh, the Niffler. The Niffler. I was about to say, I love that little guy. I mean, that's the only creature that I can remember off the top of my head right now. I can also remember the little bow truckle. Like this weird, like he looks like Slim from uh, Bugs Life. The weird Mm. lion, gigantic lion from the circus from the second Fantastic Beast. I don't remember the name though. It's called a. It's called a something creature. A something creature. A something creature. It's just a fantastic beast, and that's where you find them. (laughs) Yes, and then then, Hagrid's teaching. He's just like Harry. Then it turns into How to Train Your Dragon. Yes. Um, The books. There was also a scene with the um, their magical creatures book, which is alive, Mm -hmm. and of course Neville. He doesn't stroke the spine to calm it down, so it starts um, (laughs) just tearing his clothes up. (laughs) <laughs> our hilarious Neville moment where he just gets embarrassed and man it's just like is nobody going to help him nope no he's poor fine Neville. he's fine poor Neville poor poor Neville no, At least he but then he's going to get some abs 10 years later damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it turns into how to train your dragon because you got to bow really low yeah, and he even says he's like let him come to you I just went how to train your dragon right there well, you just gotta least... look away, and then the head comes into the hand with the hand out. Well, at least Harry didn't lose a leg, though. Like he had to trigger a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes. And we get our bit of like little bit of angst with uh, also Malfoy being a dick. Oh, he's him and all the other Slytherins, including this like one dude. I don't know who he is, but it's like you get crab, crab and Goyle there, but then there's like this other random dude. He's kind of like a. Like an alternate crab and goyle because you notice that there's some scenes where there's no crab and there's that guy there. No, there's no goyle because uh-huh. goyle's the bigger one. Crab is the shorter one. Okay. okay. Crab is not in the entire franchise <laughs> for a very specific reason. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. um, if you know about that behind the scenes drama, it's like oh god. <laughs> no, yeah. talking also about behind the scenes. How about Fonso? Um, had to like deal with the casting of the new Dumbledore, and I also remember reading in a magazine that the original design for like the front of the train was destroyed, and they had to like rebuild the whole thing of the front of the train. And yeah, so- and they had to redo everybody's costumes as well, mm-hmm. except for one character. Do you know who that is? Snipe. Snape, mm-hmm. they never change his costume because the costume designer said it was perfect, so yeah, you yeah, can't really change perfect. it. He- he wears the same costume throughout the entire franchise. It just stays the same. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> we get our. Uh, oh yeah, the the Slytherins put their hoods up and they're they're making fun of Harry because of the Dementor thing. And then, and then I, you notice those hoods are very large and pointy. And pointy, <laughs> and also because they look like they're thing that we're going to see in the fourth when they look like the KKK hoodies. Oh God! Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Oh, JK. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, yeah, and then we even get like Hermione and Ron 
um, like Hermione grabs Ron's hand and then they just look down and they're like, Ugh. you know, that sort of thing. Uh, that's just the just a smidge of teen angst and hormones, because, you know, at that time, uh, that moment was that for time. the shippers, Billy. Uh, that moment was for the shippers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then we get our real magical sequence where Harry uh, flies Buckbeak and it's just a beautiful shot. And we get the Williams music. The, duh, 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 the wind duh, that duh, the bird touches the damn water with his fucking finger. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. First time Harry's actually like, like fully enjoyed being in an environment. Like, mm-hmm. in such, like, like when he goes that, whoa, like he's like, Harry's at like, he's, he's just, he's on fire at the moment. Like, so, yeah. yeah, I love it. And then after this, as, uh, when they come back into the class, uh, but all of a sudden, Malfoy, she's like, "Oh my god, I don't, I don't believe that this could be true, and I, I don't give a fuck about you, Hagrid." And he was like, "Let's see about this." And then he goes near into Bobby, Bobby goes back, and then he attacks Malfoy, gives him a almost nothing of a scratch. Almost didn't even. Nothing. He only went through one layer of clothes. Yeah, you know, and and I love that thing that he was like, a, "Oh, you're gonna regret this, you and your bloody chicken." <laughs> I love the moment also when Haggard's just like, "Hey, how am I doing for my first day?" And he's like, "You're doing great, Professor." And you just see that he's really touched by that. And I'm like, yeah. "Oh, Haggard, he's the best." Hagrid, Wait till my father hears about this, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, "It's killed me." And Haggard's like, "Oh, shut up!" And he just picks <laughs> him up, and he's just like, "All right, class dismissed." And you see yeah. Malfoy later. He's just like, "It's lucky that they didn't take my arm off." About ten more minutes, it would have been gone. And it's just yeah. like. God, Malfoy just playing it up, and they're all just like, "Can you believe this guy?" And then Seamus comes in. He's been sighted. He's been sighted. Serious black. Everybody immediately goes around the table, and then yeah. the second line from the black guy. He's just like, uh, "I actually oh. forget the line." But oh, what was he? He's another line? foreboding doom line. Yeah. yeah. I, oh crap! That's true. He's doing and, the person of color saying something ominous line. <laughs> It's like really you can't give this to anybody else. We haven't even mentioned like the like the the redesign of like the ghosts and like when they go into the mm-hmm. in the comic like because like the guy the ghosts in the, the the other two they have like sort of a they do feel like ghosts but they a little they're, they're played by celebrities like John mm-hmm. Cleese and stuff like that. This one when they introduce when you first see the ghost for the first time it breaks through the window like it's such a cool like design like a redesign and I and I actually honestly prefer those ghosts then. The They're team. a lot less whole. Yeah. They feel more ethereal, like ghosts. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I love that. And then I think that's the transition to... Uh... The, the defense, the, the, the Bogart class. And the defense <sighs> ah, against the Dark Arts. Bogart, yeah. And how Lupin is actually the only good defense against the Dark Arts teacher mm-hmm. in this entire franchise. He's well, the only te- legitimately good teacher. Technically, Mad-Eye Moody was a good defense against the Dark Arts teacher, but but one like Moody was was in a case for well, like he, he was all, well, well, he's also very moody. Yes, appropriately. But yes. Uh, well, I get what you're saying. He's actually also a good teacher. But I mean, you cannot tell Moody choose. though because he was hello father. Shh, guys, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you're ruining the suspense. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but I love you, David Tennant. Man. Yes. It, yeah. Like, like seriously, top five people I want to meet in my lifetime like famous people david tennant 
Nice. Absolutely. He's my doctor. And then we get this amazing shot of like the mirror. I still don't know how they did it. Um, yeah. of going One of the magics of Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah, where it's like because the, the armoire that has the bogart, which is like moving like the like, you mm. know, something's in there and then you see it, like it's reflective and then you just see it. The camera moves Mm-hmm. into the armoire and then like it reverses everything like a reflection and then they're just like what is this it's a bogart and he's like does anybody know what the form of a bogart looks like and then hermione just appears <laughs> gives her know-it-all answer and once again ron is like how the fuck did she get here seriously <laughs> I'm, I'm not crazy right and then even harry's just looking at him and he's like i don't know okay <laughs> did you see her come in and then he's just like, right. Essentially, it's a shapeshifter that transforms into your worst fear, which I have to ask. Oh, I also forgot to ask Matthew uh, two questions. Uh huh. What is your Hogwarts house? Ooh. If you have one, if you know mm-hmm. what it is, or what uh, do you feel like it is? Well, I unfortunately I'm a Slytherin. No, there's nothing wrong with Slytherins. I at first of all I was a Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw, but the fact I was a Slytherin is like, oh. Okay. And, okay. And there's good Slytherins. All, all, not all Slytherins are evil. No, no, no. no yeah, that is true. That is yeah. true. Slughorn. He's a great Slytherin. Hmm. Mm, okay. Yeah. Not. Um. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Slytherin, but, but, you know, I'm proud of it. I guess. That's fine. That's cool. I, I can respect that. And also, who's your favorite character in this franchise? Or just in the Harry Potter universe. Oh damn, damn. Oh man, that is that's such a good question. Um, ah oh, man, come back to me. Like I will g- give me like five minutes. I will answer that question. Oh nice. Yeah, I only ask because I just feel like it's important to. Oh, got it. Snape. Snape's my favorite oh, character. Nice. Oh, Snape. It's our yeah. second Snape. It's amazing. <laughs> Billy, what will be your fear? What will be your bugger? And that's actually my third question, which is, what is what is your guys' biggest fear? My biggest fear, I'm not stupid enough to say out loud because I know it'll be used against me. But Damn it. Uh, it is a certain insect. Let's just say that. Spiders. It's not a spider, surprisingly. I'm you will you can deduce what other insects are kind of scary or threatening. There are. It's a, <sighs> We'll, we'll just say that, yeah. yeah. Scorpion, <laughs> scorpions, are, scorpions are terrifying, mm-hmm. and like spiders when they're like fast, or like when they just like run across, it's like oh fuck. Spiders yeah. can be scary, like a big yeah. ass uh, tarantula, or like those spiders in Australia that are like mm-hmm. the size of like my hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What about you guys? What is your big fear? Mm. Oh, being too famous. Because, because, as you may know, I've got a radio show, and I'm hoping to start expanding it more and more often into mm-hmm. other my, other forms. But my biggest fear is is that if if the show gets too big and I get too famous, then I'm going to have a lot of people just come up to me in the street saying, "Hi, like, can I get a selfie?" Like in like places where you don't need to have an autograph, like in a shop. Like, dude, I'm shopping. <laughs> I like, a, I don't, I don't need an autograph right now. Wait, wait, wait. I, so lo- I, love, I love your ambition. <laughs> So your burger is going to transform into like four or five people saying, uh, can I have a selfie? So just yes. people. Yeah, I can get that. 
I can yeah. get behind that here. I love how you're just like you want to be famous, but you're too scared of being too famous. I like that. Yeah, and exactly. and your ambition, which is a very Slytherin quality. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. They, are very, thank you. they are very ambitious and cunning. Yeah, they're very but, smart. But I always will use my being famous for good and not for tweeting but bullshit. So great power talk, comes great talk, responsibility. Talk, talking to you, J.K. Rowling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Raul, what's your big fear? Uh, I know you got one. Yes, I got some of them though, but. If the bugger was right there in my face, it would turn into an alien. That's one of my biggest fears. Like like an alien from like the movie Aliens, no. or just like an just like an actual alien. No, like uh, like the scary alien that they will probe your ass and they will experiment with you. Like fire in the sky kind of aliens. One of I get those what creepy ones. Or like the four kind. That movie's fucking scary. The four or like kind. one of those aliens from like District Nine. Like the big cockroach looking uh, aliens. That was not that I'd scary. I'd my pants no. if I saw one like no. right in front of me. Fire in the sky, the the ones from the four kind in that movie Dark Skies with Felicity. Those three aliens, if one of those three appears, yes, I will be scared or shitless. Okay. And so the alien it. from yeah. Signs. Yeah, yeah, that would be kind of I would be very scared. Especially if the alien does the pose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so Lupin is just like you can counter it with a very simple spell. Which leads to a really stupid joke, but that I love, which is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. And then Rob Malfoy, this class is ridiculous. <laughs> I would say that all the time. And then Ron goes first, or no, no Neville. Neville goes first. And his biggest fear is Professor Snape. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you really blame him though? Uh, he is a he is pretty terrifying. And then like, Lupin tells him was that guy, you what is your like um what is your other fear? My grandma and, he, and he's like, Okay, I want you to imagine your grandma's clothes, only your grandma's clothes. Can you focus on that? And then are you gonna imagine the snake is your grandma's clothes? And then we see the burger and we see uh, a snake getting out, like the way that he gets out, you can feel the elegance of Alan Brickman. <laughs> I'm sure it was a fun scene for him to. Film. Yeah, and then he, then he's dressed as a woman, and I'm like, um, J.K., are you showing some signs of something right now? <laughs> I sent the photo to Billy, and I'm like, mm. um, the vulture on the hat. Yeah, is just like like it's a legitimately full vulture. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. Yeah. And then Ron goes up. We know his fear is spiders. And but he says it wrong. He says ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Ron. But it's whatever. They're kids. Diagonally. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then uh, one of the patils comes in with a snake, turns it into an even scarier looking clown. <laughs> and then Harry goes up, and then Lupin is of course like, no it actually turns into a dementor and then we see it's just a full moon ridiculous it turns into a balloon that deflates yeah and of course <laughs> harry ruining the fun for everyone else if i would be there, i was like fuck you harry oh really <laughs> i was gonna be next <laughs> yeah. and yeah what's re- what's really surprising is that that entire sequence like they they replicated that sequence in the crimes of grindelwald 
and you mm-hmm. can tell that those that it does not have the same energy, the mm-hmm. same style, the same creativity as Azkaban. Yeah, it's playing some jazz. I, I love Matthew. <laughs> I love Matthew that you're right. I totally forgot that they tried to do the same scene in Crystal Grindelwald. I totally forgot. Also, they made in those movies Dumbledore the defense against the dark arts teacher when he was actually the transfiguration teacher, which Mm -hmm. is McGonagall's position. Also, McGonagall wouldn't have been born during that time in the movies, so it just fucks up your canon. Um, Like, um, actually, you hear that, J.K. I know my shit. Trust me. Yeah, I I know you guys do too. So you're fucking up your own canon. So you have no one else to blame but yourself, mm-hmm. uh, Joe. And uh, then after that, I think this is when we go to Hogsmeade, yeah. right? Yeah. Or um, everybody but Harry goes to Hogsmeade. Yeah. Yeah, everyone and then, goes and then, to Hogsmeade. And then he has that really nice conversation with Lupin. Yes. Like, yeah, because like, like McGonagall is like, I can't sign it. I'm not a parent or guardian, and I'm I'm really sorry, Potter. So everybody can go but him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get that shot of him. Like looking as everyone else is leaving, and we see the giant pendulum of the mm-hmm. clock just looming over him. And then, like you said, I'll have you, Matthew, describe this really, really good scene with the piece of music I was talking about earlier. Oh yeah, yeah. If because this is the like I said with John Williams, this is the first time in the Harry Potter franchise where it actually feels like magic. Like it actually feels like it, like the like the use of like um the the the, the sound is just like beautiful and like. And Lupin is just like having this conversation with um, Harry. He's like, like, you've got your mother's eyes, which is a which is a quote which will come back more and more as the franchise keeps going. But but as but he you soon realise that Lupin actually knew James and knew Lily. So in a way, like c- compared to Professor Quirrell and um, Ah oh, Gilderoy Lockhart. Like, like, Lu- like Lupin in a way kind of is kind of could be a good mentor for Harry in a way, and he does. He becomes a really good mentor for him, and so, um, in a way, like Harry compared to the other like <laughs> defense against the Dark Arts, he's kind of like the first like person you can connect to in a way. Like aside yeah. from Harry and aside from Ron and Hermione, so yeah, he makes a friend, and he hears stuff about his parents because you see like even the blocking of like how. Uh, Lupin initially turns towards him, but then when he's talking about um, he, um, seeing the ugliness in people that feel ugly, he turns away and he walks away from him. And then you, then he comes back when he's talking about his mother and his father, and he's like, "You're very kind, like your mother. She was an uncommonly kind witch and very bright. And um, your father had a knack for getting into trouble, <laughs> and, which I see you've inherited." as well and the fact that he looks just like his father as yeah. you should everybody looks in some respects like their parents but he's just like you're more alike than you know harry but and you harry... just see harry smile as well he's like i did i didn't know anything anything about his parents but then harry didn't inherit the bulliness of james potter to certain people well yeah yeah <laughs> and, uh, but that's because lupin was one of james best friends mm-hmm. like so he he knew them very well and i love that he just gives him this talk and he's just like um i didn't i also stopped the class because i thought he was going to turn into voldemort you see he also says voldemort mm-hmm. he's not afraid yeah. of it and this is something that i never noticed this is the only movie in the franchise where you don't see voldemort mm-hmm. at all 
Like he doesn't well, come back in like any spirit or whatever. He's just only mentioned. Yeah. Well, technically, they they like you don't see Voldemort in actual form. You only see Tom Riddle in Half Blood Prince. And I and I always have this opinion where I, I like the the less Voldemort is in it, the more interesting it gets. Like it's just Harry discovering more about himself. I always find it more interesting than the Harry Voldemort thing. Mm-hmm. Well, like yeah, I like I, I like um, when it focuses more on Harry because he's our main hero. Yeah, and then he's just like, "Can you teach me the Patronus charm?" He's like, I can, but it's very advanced magic. Even for like grown wizards, it's very hard to do, but I will do that since Dementors are um, very fixated on you. Oh, no, actually, no, this is a, uh, this is the second conversation. Yeah, have. first because, we um, get the fat lady, the fat lady incident where she all of a sudden she disappears from the door because the door was scratched. It was attacked and they're like... Uh, and they were like, where is the fat lady? Where is it? And then Dumbledore and, and Fe- Filch? Yeah, Filch. Filch. They, they Filch, noticed yeah. that she's hiding in a painting. I was like, my dear lady, what happened to you? He was here. His eyes are... Uh, he was a devil. His eyes are dark as he saw us his name. He was here somewhere in the castle. Serious <laughs> flag. Ah! And, uh, and then they locked down uh, all, all, of the, all of the castle and one of my favorite transitions because Alfonso did so many George Lucas styles kind of transitions too. Uh, when Dumbledore, he's seen everybody sleeping and Snape was like, I'm also, so I have a feeling I don't like the way that you hire Remus Lupin. I don't trust him. I was like, no, we're not going to talk about this, Severus. I was like, what about Potter? Who, who she she he should know I was like no let him sleep we when we sleep we go into our, uh, our own world let him swim into the deepest ocean and glide over the highest cloud in the galaxy and the way that follows Dumbledore and we go to the stars in the galaxy ah damn you Alfonso damn you that's an amazing transition and then we get into one of the memes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We haven't we haven't even mentioned that there is a famous blooper that is a uh, result of that scene. the blooper. Yeah, about uh, how Michael Gambon and Alan Rickman tricked uh, Daniel Radcliffe. They put a like like a machine that made fart noises down. Yes, and he was right next to a girl that he fancied, so um, they embarrassed him. They would just like randomly uh, make fart noises. Yes, or like press a button that would make fart noises. And- <laughs> It's great. Just yeah. the two of them, they played a lot of pranks. Like they were nothing like or Alan Rickman was nothing like his character. Everybody mm-hmm. said he was very professional, very kind man, mm-hmm. very funny man. Everybody was very intimidated by him, but he was just like, No, no, that's good. I, I like it. Like yeah. um Rupert Grint gave him like a note about like what he looked like as Snape, and then he's just like, I was terrified of him. And he's just like, <laughs> I loved it so much I kept it. <laughs> And then we get into one of the scenes that a lot of people always remember about this movie. We all, we just see someone opening the door, and we see Snape closing all of the curtains. Like, turn like in the first movie. Like in the first movie. Turn to page 394. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the dramatic turns that he does. Oh, yes. With, like, the wig and everything is 
it's just great. He's he is over dramatic. And then all of a sudden we see Harry and Ron, and then I was like, uh, and then we see Hermione turning around, showing up again out of nothing. She's like, uh, "Sir, we shouldn't be on the on dark creatures until in two weeks." And they're like, uh, uh, and I was like, "No, you're gonna learn this right now," says Snape. What is the difference between an animagus and a werewolf? And Hermione is like, "An animagus." It's by choice. It chooses to be an animal. A werewolf has no choice. A full moon, they can even attack their best friends and they have no humanity. And then immediately I was like, oh, Miss Granger, can you just always be the same know-it-all? Five points lesser to Gryffindor. And then I want you to, to you guys to give me an essay where I think it was like three parchments. Completely two rolls of parchment. Yes. Completely on werewolves. And Harry's like, that's Quidditch tomorrow. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> he's like, I, and I suggest you start, Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter. Uh, he says, loss of lamp will not excuse you. What a yeah. dick. And then, of course, Malfoy throws something at him in class. Hmm. One of the weird things, though, is like, like during the Defense of Dance of the Dark Arts, usually in Hogwarts, they have like two houses mm-hmm. that have the same classes or something. Like mm-hmm. for I uh, when it comes to mind for me is like Gryffindors and Slytherins have potions together, mm-hmm. which is why Harry hated those classes. And but in the Defense Against the Dark Arts, you see Ravenclaws, Hufflepuffs, and Slytherins mm-hmm. there. It's like and like it seems like there's just a mix of everybody. And then yes, then we get the Quidditch game, which is the worst game of Quidditch I would ever like i wouldn't watch it because the conditions are so bad it's so rainy and like you couldn't see anything but it's it's very exciting i mean i'll take a rainstorm over a snowstorm i would definitely not play us during a snowstorm in like which is what happened in half-blood prince so (laughs) oh yeah that's right that did happen and uh then we get the of course um do 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 and uh Everything is going wrong. Somebody's broom gets one of the chasers' brooms gets struck by lightning. <laughs> they go yeah. down like a plane, <laughs> and then of course they're playing Hufflepuff. I know this because mm-hmm. they're wearing yellow. In the books, the puff, wasn't the Cedric there? Wasn't he was Cedric the, there? He's the Hufflepuff seeker, mm-hmm. and so the Hufflepuff sneaker uh, seeker tries to get the snitch, and of course the lightning strikes it, and it electrocutes him. He falls down. Oh, Nobody gives a shit. Poor Robert Pattinson. Yep, or random actor, background actor number five. Yes. Yeah. And then we get this amazing shot of Harry looking at the clouds, and it's mm-hmm. the same image as the Grim, which is this black dog. Mm-hmm. Very, very subtle. Very but it's subtle. just it's just the framing of it, and just like Harry in the bottom right, just looking up at it. He comes towards the snitch and he's trying to avoid dementors that are just there. They shouldn't be there. And then out of nowhere, jump scare of the dementor that just comes up and is like, sucks his soul, falls off his broom. And I just kept thinking Icarus flew too close to the sun there because he kept going Uh higher and higher and higher to get the snitch. He was just about to reach it, but then he just plummets straight down. And the way I love that, the way you see Harry falling down and the music goes in the tension and you see Dumbledore's like, arresto momentum, exactly. Like it shuts down the eye and then we open the eye. And I love the thing that Fred and George say. I was like, uh, 
wow, I, I, my, I was like, it's amazing that he's still alive. And uh, someone says it, I think it was Ron, but then Freddie just was like, a, oh, yeah, let's watch you. Let's, you walk up from the astronomy tower and let's see if you can survive that. And I'm like, foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it would improve his image because you just hear Harry talk shit. <laughs> and you're like, ha, 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 ha. Anyway, and also... Um, that's supposed to be Cedric in the back. He's getting mm-hmm. his crowd of Hufflepuffs represent. And yeah. <laughs> then uh, they're like, oh, yeah. Because Ron has a big blanket of something. Mm-hmm. Just like, they're like, uh, yeah. We, we never found out who actually won the Quidditch game. In the book, it's Hufflepuff because Cedric mm-hmm. did catch it first. And Cedric thought it was unfair because of the Dementors and he wanted to rematch. But they're like, no, no, no. You caught it first. You got the win. But... In this movie, it's left unclear who won the Quidditch match, which was what Harry was concerned about. But Hermione's like, yeah, Dementors weren't supposed to be on the field. Dumbledore was furious. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they're like, uh, yeah, I don't know how to break this to you, but uh, your broom fell in the Whomping Willow. And, uh, and it's, it's a out pile of guarantee. Of it's out of warranty. Yep. Sorry. And right. yeah, he's just <laughs> devastated because that was his first broom. Mm-hmm. It's like a first car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's gonna get a better model at the end. Uh, yeah, yeah. He lost his Nimbus two thousand, but now he doesn't have a broom. Mm-hmm. And then he talks to Lupin again. Once again, this is now. This is during the spring, mm-hmm. uh, or no, the fall. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. then he's just like, "I'm sorry about your broom." And since the Dementors seem really fixated on you, mm-hmm. because they gravitate towards sadness, and Harry has had a big tragedy in his life that nobody else could really understand except maybe neville mm-hmm. yeah which they cut that out of the movies which is when you learn his backstory it just makes it all the more tragic yep and then uh, he's just like i'll teach you the patronus charm after the holidays mm-hmm. they try to I'm, kill you uh sorry after they get after i get better for plot reasons after i get better so. yeah because lupin wasn't teaching defense against the dark arts because he was out sick mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And the design of the werewolf is very similar to something that happens later. And then we point. get into the moment that you said about monogonals. It's like, a, uh, sorry, I cannot The transition sign. with yeah. uh, Hedwig. No, no, no. McGonagall did that the first time they went mm-hmm. to Hogsmeade. And then we cut to Hedwig flying from like the green fields and then this beautiful snow mm-hmm. that just comes down. Yeah. I would love to just like wrap up in a nice sweater and make a nice hot cup of hot cocoa and just it's like great snow it's perfect Mm -hmm. weather it's not like um it's it's not super super heavy but it's just like it's beautiful to look at it's just this pure white Mm -hmm. and i love and i love how the scene actually like it's it's like that that there's they, there are two times that they go to this location, the forest. Like the first time it happens, it's such a great like scene, like Harry and Ron and Hermione having fun, like throwing snowballs. And then the second time they go back to that scene, it's just so such a great like like course correction when he finally finds out about his family, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but then yeah. this is when he tries to go to Hogsmeade by using the invisibility cloak. Yeah, he figure yeah. he's like hell, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Fred and George catch him. <laughs> yeah, I love it. They're not even going to Hogsmeade; they're just making a snowman. Because Hogsmeade, yeah. you can go in your third year. That's when you could start going, mm-hmm. and then I guess you could just go in and out as long as you have permission and stuff. But that's the first time you can go. 
it's like a big field trip and it's a it's a privilege mm-hmm. and then they catch him and then they're just like you're trying to sneak in we know a better way <laughs> and then we get the second most important thing that harry will ever be given mm-hmm. in this franchise mm. uh mr's um i guess my fellow marauders here can uh, explain yeah. matthew Mooney, i think money padfoot Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. Yeah. Yeah. Present the Marauder's right. Map. What does this map do? I'll let Matthew say it. So, the, so the, oh, oh, well. Technically, map, find my iPhone the map. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> is the great description of the map. Basically, it's like, it ba- it's, well, it's basically like, it can track like the Marauders like, across like, Hmm. Well, let's just, let's just let's put it lightly. It's a very important map, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and it's uh, it well as we go later in, on into the movie, you know, like like the like who like Padfoot and who these particular characters are. So, um, yeah, they uh, yeah. you have to summon it first by saying, "I solemnly swear I am up to no good." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just like because yeah. it's just like a random piece of parchment, mm-hmm. but then. He notices he's like, oh shit, this is Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Is that Dumbledore? Yeah, he paces a lot in his office. <laughs> and then they, of course, say they're just like, this map shows everybody mm-hmm. where they are, what they're doing every minute of every day, which that's like great. And it shows the entire castle, not only the entire castle, but all of Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the people that made the map, they went around there so much, they were able to find literally any secret passage mm-hmm. anything they found it which is a reason why um somebody got into the castle because i think it's just from their memory yeah because they they did a lot of sneaking around that night and the whole story with the marauders is phenomenal mm-hmm. like it's it's seriously some great character building and lore building yes they're just like we're giving it to harry and because fuck Ron, <laughs> he wouldn't know what to do with it. They snatch it from Filch's office the very first year. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how did they know that what to say to open the map? Which is a question I had before. They actually have answered that is that the map actually had to tell them because it knew it's essentially sentient. It knew that yeah. Fred and George legitimately wanted to cause some mischief because that's what they do. They're, mm-hmm. they're chaos. And oh, another way for nobody else to read it, you have to say mischief managed. Yes. Otherwise, anybody could read yeah. it. Yeah. And they're just like, we take this passage, go to Honeydukes, which is the sweet store, which looks so good. Some of this mm-hmm. stuff is actually in um, the Universal um, Harry Potter Hogsmeade. Yeah. Except for the Mexican candy. I see you, Universal. There is no <laughs> Mexican candy that Alfonso added to the, to the scene. Yeah, the sugar skulls. The sugar this skulls, and also I told Billy this: the fountain that we go to, the like three or different, four different scenes, we see an eagle eating a serpent. That's from the Mexican flag that Alfonso added that statue there. I love that. Yeah, that like he added, he added, like um the main um kind of like floor fountain. of the castle. Mm-hmm. You ever been to Univ- you ever been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter? Yeah, yeah. I have been so to the one here great. in LA, but I haven't been to the one in Orlando. Orlando's I'm, great. I've Orlando's been to the one great. in Orlando, and it's great. Both mm. Hogsmeade and Hogwarts, which it's like yeah. it really is 
like you any little detail from the movies they probably added it in there it's mm. it really is like you've transported to another world it's phenomenal mm. <laughs> the detail that is so weird talking about going to the universal into the harry potter sections when you go to the men's bathroom was like a, ooh, ooh. <laughs> you hear money merton i'm like money merton can you let me pee <laughs> Please don't pop up from the shitter. I got uh, just, just please don't do that. Don't pull a ghoulies. Oh you know, my those god! Little, like, those, reference. Those, those gremlins rip off. Where, um, yeah, if I was a kid, I would have been terrified of those because I would think that they would just like come up while I'm on the toilet. Well, at least it would not be a serpent to your penis, like in snakes on a plane. Or that. Mm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bad bathroom stuff. Really? I was actually, I was such a wuss that I was scared of the gremlins as a kid. Oh, getting your ass sucked into a pool like in Final Destination? Ah, Final Destination franchise. That's a very different, <laughs> very yeah. different franchise. We uh, should cover yeah. that sometime. Yeah, and so we see Harry going into Honey Dukes and then he's with his invisibility cloak. He steals a lollipop from Neville. Dick. Of course. Yeah. And then he immediately goes through uh, he goes through like the hallway, and then he we see Ron and Hermione. They're looking at the Shrieking Shack. It was like a, this is one of the scariest places in London. It's one of the most haunted places. They're like, oh, well, should we go in? And Ron was like, oh hell no! And I love Malfoy walking in. I was like, oh, you're looking for your new dream home, Ron? It looks like out of your budget though. And I'm mm. like, number one, Malfoy is a Hermione and Ron Shepherd. Number two, he's like, he's being an asshole. He's like, you have money. I have money. You don't know. <laughs> this is the yeah. second time Malfoy has joked about a ship and it actually comes true. Yes. I just realized that. That's so fucking crazy. Ma- Malfoy is like a secret, like, matchmaker. Does he, does Draco know? <laughs> like, he's just really good at divination, I guess. Yeah. Or he's just really good at matchmaking. Yeah. And uh, well, then and he, then he uh, will the they, roast that he gives to Ron. He's just like, don't, don't your family all sleep in the same room? <laughs> it's just like that's a low blow, Draco. <laughs> and then the snowball comes out of nowhere, and of course Hermione was just gonna beat the shit out of Malfoy, but he's just like, how dare you, you filthy little, you know what? I refuse to say it because it's racist. <laughs> and then mm, the yeah. snowball just hits him straight in the face. Yeah. And then, yeah. Chaos happens because you know it's Harry just mm-hmm. messing with them. Pulls out Kraft's pants, kicks him in the butt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Throws another guy with his scarf and he drags Malfoy close to the shack. And then they just run off. He's just like, I'll get that mud, you know. And then starts messing around with them. Ron's actually scared. And he's just like, Harry. That was not funny, Harry. Not funny. Yeah. And then we get into. Then they go back into Hogsmeade and they see a woman getting out from a bar, Miss Rose Rosmerta. Madame Rosmerta. Madame Rosmerta. fancies her. And I was like, that <laughs> did not. And we see Fudge arriving at Hagrid and my Nogano. And they're like, my business will be good if the mentors were not here in my pub every damn night. And Managono was like, no, it's because it's because of Harry Potter. I was like, Harry Potter? And immediately <laughs> Harry gets the invisibility cloak, sneaks into the bar, and Harry and Ron, they cannot get in because they're minors. The shrugging hills like, yeah. oh, hell no, not here. We don't accept your kind. Oh, that's another franchise. <laughs> well, I mean, is it, though? <laughs> I mean, Briny. 
<laughs> and but yeah, the, the shrunken heads all have personality. But Harry goes in. He's breathing very heavily as well. Yes. The only person that catches it. Also, the fact that nobody just caught that the door was just open. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. In the book, it's, it's even worse. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean, they close the door behind them, but then they see it's open again. Mm-hmm. And then in the book, it's even Fudge is such an idiot in this scene because it's done in the bar in public. Mm-hmm. And he's saying it loudly, or he's just saying it like a casual conversation, like how we're talking right now. Mm-hmm. So somebody yeah. could easily overhear. And then this is where we learn why Sirius Black is after him. And they're just like, he was best friends with the Potters. The Potters were hidden from Voldemort, but he ratted them out, told them where they lived. And not only that, but they killed an, he killed another one of their friends, Peter Pettigrew. A little lump of a boy always followed them. And only left ju- behind a finger. He didn't just kill him. <laughs> he destroyed him. Only a destroyed finger. Destroyed him. And uh, Fudge is the only one that seems to notice the breathe, the breathing as well. Yeah. I never noticed that. And then yeah. Fudge says, like, now he wants to finish what he started. And Manana's like, that's not the worst. Sirius Black, even until today, he's Harry Potter's godfather. Dun, dun, dun! Fudge says all of this in the book. In the open, and then of course McGonagall is just like, "You idiot! You can't say this out loud." Mm-hmm. And he, ironically, Harry overhears it, like in the book. And Fudge kept this from him; was trying to keep this from him. Mm-hmm. So it's ironic that he told on himself, mm-hmm. yeah. essentially, because he's that much of an idiot. <laughs> but then, of course, Harry is very upset by this news. Who wouldn't? He goes out. He. Goes like through, a Disney princess, but we're not really he goes Disney through a choir of little people. Yes, <laughs> just yeah. go straight through them, and then we see he's crying on a stump, and then this is the vengeful Harry. Oh, yeah, he was their friend. <laughs> I hope he was he their fi- friend. Yeah, I he hope was he their friend. I hope he <laughs> finds me, and what he does, I'm gonna kill him. I was like, "Calm yourself, like, Kylo. Calm yourself, yep. Kylo. God damn it." I hope he finds me, because when he does, I want to be ready. When he does, Supreme Leader Snoke will be proud. <laughs> I will finish. And I will kill him. I will not hesitate. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and he's just trying not to cry. God. And But no, I remember that distinctly. I remember my mom was next to me watching it for the first time, and she was just like, oh shit, Harry. Like, she didn't say that, but she was just like, Harry's going to kill him. Like, this mm-hmm. is serious. Yeah. No pun intended. <laughs> but, um, no, seriously, that is very dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Harry, it's like, oh, he's threatening to kill somebody. He will, he will do it. Like he's not messing yeah. around either. This is like the first time we see Harry have venge, vengeful thoughts. Yes, he's like legitimately angry, as well. And it's like, oh wow. But yeah, now we yeah. know that he's Harry hate, Potter's godfather. Hate listening. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, after this, where do we go? The Patronus after Hogsmeade. class. class. Oh, yes, when Lupin teaches Harry the Patronus charm. This is another mm-hmm. sweet moment. He gets private lessons, of course, because he's the boy who lived. But also it's because Dementors are really, really attracted to Harry. They want to yeah. just take his soul so well, bad. He, they're, he, he's a, they're attracted to Harry because he's the main character. Because he's a sad boy. Mm-hmm. That's why. Mm-hmm. 
And then he's just like, okay, I'm going to think of a memory. You got to think of a very happy memory and you got to let it um, consume you. And that's let that feeling fill you up. You know, just let that happen. It has to be a very happy memory. He makes it very mm-hmm. clear. And then he tries for the first time. And then he's, of course, fails. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, eat some chocolate. It'll make you feel better. What'd you think of? First time I wrote a broom. He's like, that's not good enough. <laughs> you gotta think of a really happy memory. It's very hard for Harry. He doesn't have many of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he tries it again. But yeah, he's trying with a boggart as well. Yeah. He's like, a dementor is even worse. <laughs> the real deal. And then he tries it. And then ooh, he actually <laughs> does it. And Lupin, of course, is very proud. <laughs> And he's like, I think you would have given your father a run for his money. Mm-hmm. He's like, again, this is very advanced magic. And he was able to do it. And of mm-hmm. course, the, the the flute playing the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I see it like there's this uh, YouTube channel called Movie Flame that does these Harry Potter um, uh, like character says, stories. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he uses this, that piece of music for like in the background for all of it. And it's just yeah. very calm and subtle, but it's, I asked, I'm sorry about my dad um, talking <laughs> again. I mean, I'll give him, I'll have a good stern talking no, that's okay. to him. <laughs> and then after this, Harry yeah. at his second try, he, he could make the spell. And Lupin asked, I was like, uh, what did you think about? Well, I don't know if it's a real memory or not, but I remember my parents just talking. I don't know if it's real, but that's the best that I got. And after this, we see Ron and Hermione arguing. They was like, uh, Scabbery's gone. You can't kill him. I did not. And then they go to meet Hagrid by the lake. And Hagrid talks about that uh, they went to the hearing. And of course, like uh, Lucius Malfoy was like, oh my God, this beast over here, like I attack my son. I, I'm, I'm expressioning my white privilege. So, and then Hagrid is like, okay, so they're going to send this puppy to death. Yeah. Kaplunk. Kaplunk. Yeah. And then I love that the, for the next scene is when we see Harry uh, reading uh, in his bedroom and he sees Ron waking up. I was like, oh God, it's spiders. And I was like, I saw spiders all over. And then, and then like, okay, 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 Ron, calm yourself. You go show and those go, spiders, Ron. Show those spiders. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's left so quickly. <laughs> and then he notices in the map, he sees Peter Petrico in the map. I was like, how can it be? He's dead. And he goes through the hallway. And all the people's like, uh, God damn it, it's 2 a.m. Put the wand out. <laughs> and they're like, and then as he sees in the hallway, he sees that Peter Pettigrew is coming closer, but he doesn't see anything. And I love that little detail on the Sunday. You only hear some pause. And that's the only thing that he sees. You know something happens too when you hear the din, 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 din. Like the music is very important in this movie. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. with like the third act. I gotta bring up that when we get there. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. we I never really thought about it, but uh, there was also the detail of like um, when Lupin was on the train, why was he sleeping? Because the story takes place September 1st, 1993, which there was a full moon that previous night. So it would make sense later on in the movie why he would be so tired. Yeah. 
And also, and also, if you know, if you notice that there's, um, you see a, a character who's still in Hogwarts and is still very old at this point. You see a little Newt Scamander cameo in like on the map. There is. A, do you? You, can, you see, you do see, you do see Newt Scamander on the map at one point. Like he's just, he's just stay, like he's just staying in Hogwarts. Like at one I didn't point, know he lived very, at Hogwarts. Well, he's, it's very subtle. It's that you like, huh. it's just like brief cam, like brief like bit on the map, but. Newt Scamander is a character you will talk about later on, so Ooh. I'm not going to make much of Newt Scamander. So we will not be doing his movies, but uh, yes, and Newt Scamander, or at least not his movies. It's like how works with a studio. Was like, and then Grindelwald changed his face for the third time. <laughs> <laughs> he he had a he had a spell rebound on his face, and they had to reconstruct it. Yeah. <laughs> the soap opera. Yeah, yes. they did it in Batwoman too, which I hated. Yeah. <laughs> I just learned about that. I don't actually watch Batwoman. Wait, yes, that is, uh, I thought no, you were joking. <laughs> no, that actually happens in Batwoman. I swear to God. Oh God! Like they they hold they do the whole bandage around the face thing. I was just like, are they serious? Because mm. you know Ruby Rose was recast mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they kept the the character, but then they did that, and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> really? You can just like recast and just say nothing, like yeah. Don Cheadle and. M, uh, Iron Man 2, <laughs> where they just didn't say anything. They just mm-hmm. made it happen. But uh, yeah, then Snape catches Harry. And he's just like, what are you doing strutting or wondering about this late at night? Just like your father strutting about the castle. <laughs> Harry moment where he's just like, my dad does not strut. Neither do I. Just, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of balls to stand up to Snape, even though he's mm-hmm. in trouble, because he's yeah. out late at night. Yeah. And then Lupin shows up. Well, and Lupin also the map, because Snape is like, uh, reveal your secret. And then it was like, uh, and then it says the name, like, uh, Mooney, Wormtail, Pathfoot, and I'm forgetting the other one. Prongs. Pontongs. Uh, says hi to Professor Snape and not to put his large nose on everybody's business. So I was like, you mother. <laughs> they were like, you mother. And then Lupin shows up. I was like, uh, this thing is filled with dark magic. It's part of your expertise. And he's like, no, this is a thing from like this, I think Sonko's. Uh, like, uh, this is a thing from Sonko's uh, shop. It's a joke shop. It's a joke shop. It's nothing. I will take care of it, Severus. Be gone. <laughs> and they go to the, the Defense of Dark Arts uh, classroom. And, and hi, Lupin was like, you cannot use this, Harry. We're in danger, you especially, because Sirius Black is after you. And especially, you don't know what can happen at night. I was like, oh. and then Harry was like, oh, well, I don't think that thing works. I was like, why well, you say that? Because it says that Peter Pettigrew was on the map. And a- you, I love the look on his face. He's just like, that's not possible. Mm-hmm. That can't be. He's like, I don't know where you found this thing, but I'm going to keep it. Because Black could use that against you. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, when he... When you see the look on his face, knowing the context of that just changes everything. And yep, after this, where do we go from Trelawney, here? Trelawney, the second Trelawney class. Ah, uh, the yeah. second Trelawney class. Yes, <laughs> and then um, and, be spilled. <laughs> and then Tre- Trelawney, she's. I uh, the thing, the way that she says it doesn't sound like an insult, but at the same time, because I look at Oh Hermione no, she's so straight much, up insult. She, she insulted Hermione <laughs> to her fucking face. 
Oh, she's yeah. just like, oh, I know the first time that you came here that you did not have the gift. It is as uh, bland as and dry as this parchment paper of the books that you cling so desperately to. It's just like, damn, you didn't need to roast her that bad. No, and the way that she's like, oh, especially when I saw your hands. It looks like the hands were all made. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, like, of course, is just like fuck you. Just takes the crystal ball off the table, mm-hmm. but it's important that she did that. And they leave class, and, uh, and then Harry's just like, oh, "I'm gonna go help clean up. You wanna mm-hmm. come with?" And he's just like, "No." We're like Ron's <laughs> like, "No, I'm not going up there." Then we get up there. Then we get our prophesized moment. <gasps> he will return tonight. Like, Servant and Master will be reunited once more! more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I love the... My favorite is always, Innocent blood will be spilled! <laughs> yeah, she's like, innocent blood. But does the thing, the way that you read that, the way because it says that he who betrayed his friends and then comma, innocent blood will be spilled, Servant and Master will be reunited once more. Doesn't say kind of like a cover of fire foreshadowing? No, it's a... It's a no, she... She gets a straight up prophecy. Yeah. Which is very important later down the line. Yeah. <laughs> Damn prophecies. It's always hmm. the prophecy of the one that will bring balance to the force. Do you remember like in the early 2000s and like there was a, like every single major blockbuster was doing prophecies and it just got so annoying after uh, a while. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Everybody, everyone's like a chosen one. That was mm-hmm. the particular thing. The chosen one. Like, no, yeah, it, stop. Yeah, just let it happen. happen. It happened in Star Wars. It happened in Harry Potter. It happened in Percy Jackson. And Matrix, Matrix Two. Yeah, yeah Neo. Well. He is the one because <laughs> exactly. Neo is an anagram for one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Very Avatar. Subtle. You're talking about the 2000s too. Like, like <laughs> which Avatar are you talking about? Like Jake Sully or Jake Sully, and you're in the other Avatar too. Hey. Thank you, both of them. <laughs> hey, I will defend that. That's my favorite show of all time. Sir, but I do agree with you. Oh man, what happened after the Trelawney Super Shuka beat the one. I have that. <laughs> well, then they go to they go to Buckbeak's execution. Then oh yes. yes, this is the start uh, of Hermione's the third. First, don't forget about oh, no, Hermione's uh, confrontation with Malfoy. Her epic confrontation. Oh yeah, the, on their way to Buckbeak said uh, execution, execution. Mm-hmm. and Malfoy's just watching because he's partly responsible for. Buck be, being killed, and then of course you, you foul, loathsome, evil little cockroach. Just Hermione, straight up. No, like, it's not worth it. <laughs> Malfoy's stupid, stupid haircut. It's like a bowl cut. It's it's gross. But then she just looks back, punches him straight in the face, punches him so hard that the back of his head hits the rock, mm-hmm. oh. and you're just like, oh man, that's so. Like she even says it. She's like, that felt good. And I was just like, oh, this felt good. That was yeah. brilliant. Oh, Ron. His, the way he says brilliant. Uh, and then they go downstairs and they go and meet Hagrid. I was like, oh, but Hagrid was like, why? You can just free Bobby yourself. It was like, they're going to know he's me, Harry. Duh. Oh, yeah. Uh, another th- uh, detail. Did you notice that um, by the stone pillar, if you look very, very closely, you squint, you see a little hand mm-hmm. right on the side and then it disappears. Yeah, yeah. I never saw that until it was pointed out to me. I was like, I actually looked to see. 
yeah, you got to like look very closely. But if you look towards the uh, lower left, you see a tiny hand by the stone archway. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. a little detail I love. Yeah, and then they're like, "But what are we gonna do?" And spe- and then all of a sudden, we see a little rod. Well, we just he see kind of like a mug breaking in the in the oh no, uh, Hagger gives back uh, scabbers to Ron. Yes, he that too. And then we see that mug breaking, and then Hagger's like, "Ow!" And then they turn around and they see the executioner and Cornelius Fosh and Dumbledore arriving, and Dumbledore was like, "And so Hagger's like, you have to get out of here.'" And this is one of my favorite kind of like trio moments, the way that they get out from the from Hagrid's hut and they're like all three of them by the door. I had that as a calendar photo that I have from Prisoner of Azkaban when I was little. That was my favorite, one of my favorite photos of the trio though. And they walk away from the hut and they see that Cornelius Fudge and the executioner, they go inside the hut and they're high, and they're hiding like behind some pumpkins. And then Hermione just was like, "Oh, I thought so." No, nothing, nothing. And then, and then I was like, "That was yeah. like." And I we saw the executioner before, menacingly sharpening his axe, just looking like this guy. As you do, as you do, as you do. Especially when you learn that, well, he's a follower. Mm-hmm. Oh, ah, yeah. yeah. And then we see Harry, Hermione, and Ron. They walk back into the top when they when Hermione hit, hit Draco, and we hear the music, and they hear like everything. So they're like, dun, dun, dun. and we see the axe slowly from from the top, and it was like, Fuck. but I noticed that Alfonso did something because some blockage with some with a tree for the kids not to see the body of Bobby, but just focus on the axe. And that's yeah, a yeah, great way that I never noticed that until now. I was like, oh, Alfonso, I see you. I see you. You're taking advantage of the PG, too. <laughs> yeah. And then Scabbers. Mine cries into Ron's shoulder as Harry is also trying to get on that, some of that action when mm-hmm. he's just comforting Hermione. <laughs> Shippers. And, and then, then Scabbers yeah, bites Ron's hand. I was like, Scabbers, what are you doing? And then and then Hermione was like, Ron, come on, Ron, get, get over here. And then and then Ron picks up Scabbers. So it's like, a, and Ron's like, ah, it's the Grim. And then. Oh, they're by the Whomping Willow. Wait, they're by, they're yeah. by the Whomping Willow. And then the, the dog attacks Ron and bites his leg. And he's dragging him into underneath the Whomping Willow. And the, this is down there somewhere as well mm-hmm. with Georgie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's very horror movie. You're just like, oh, shit, Ron is getting mauled. Well, also reminded yeah. me kind of like Drive Me to Hell, too. The way that the, that girl suffers so much. The way that, like, dragging and everything. Oh, we need to talk about that if we ever do Sam Raimi month. Uh, one sure. of my favorites. <laughs> I love Drive oh, Me to it's Hell a, so It's a you movie. Yes. <laughs> like, if, if you made a movie, much like everything, everywhere, all at once, there are points where I was just like, that's you. You wrote yes! this. This is yeah. fucking insane. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil what it is, but it's it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, don't, we don't, was... don't take drugs while you're doing it unless you want to really trip. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that movie's a trip if you do drugs. <laughs> oh, but but we also see Padfoot or or a dog show up in this in in like before he goes into the Wampy Winter. We see the actual Padfoot show up, and like it's the same dog from the from the fir- one of the first scenes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like like 
and like you and then he goes he goes into the willow and he's like oh this is interesting so and then when the willow goes in like literally just like starts have they not learned the lesson from the second movie we're like don't try and go into the Whomping Willow. It will literally want. It wants to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like yes. It wants to attack you. So throughout the movie, we see that this thing is very big, and it's something that you just don't want to be near. This and, is just off limits. And it kills yeah. more birds than Fiona. Talking about a Shrek reference. <laughs> uh, and, then, <laughs> and then this is our second ride for Universal that I'm surprised they never actually. Yeah. <laughs> Where they yeah. Uh, the tree branches start hitting ron or no starting hitting hermione and harry yep because yeah. unlike the second movie where it was just ron and her uh harry now it's harry and hermione mm-hmm. very interesting there because i guess just had to happen and uh then hermione's riding the branch and it's the comedic cartoon moment where she grabs his shirt and then you just look up and you see harry's face like oh and then <laughs> and it gets pulled on there it's like yeah. something out of a Looney Tunes cartoon. I love it. it. They this tree beats the shit out of them. I mean, it's up there with like Malfoy getting his arm scratched by uh, Buckbeak, and then and Harry. It's like, my goodness, goes underneath the Whomping Willow, and then Hermione's on top of him, and I was like, yeah, that because was Hermione shippers. throws him down yeah. there. Yeah, and it's just like a ah, it's an it's a very slow slide down, not mm-hmm. like a boom crash into the rock sort of thing then hermione comes down there and the shippers rejoiced yes yeah and then we get into the reveal i wonder where this this path leads to this scary looking path i have an idea and then of course it's the shrieking shack not the mystery shack (laughs) no but the shrieking shack is like that old house that old creepy house that you would always have in your neighborhood. I had one that you just like, you feel like it was abandoned and like it's, it's a haunted house. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what? It reminded me a lot of the it house though. You think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Pennywise is there too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then we see that they go inside the chicken shack and they go into one of the rooms because they hear Ron crying. And then I was like, all right, you're okay. And I was like, no, no, he he's the dog. He's an animagus. And then we get into, we close the doors and hear like, doom, doom, doom. <laughs> like the way they hear the bells, kind of like a, like doom. And then I was like, a, I was like, a, it was, and then we see Sirius Black. That was the, and then Hermione they immediately defending her. Like, if you kill Harry, you have to kill us too. Only one will die tonight. And then be like, you. it will be you. Try <laughs> straight up strangles him. Are you gonna uh, kill me, Harry? And he's then got these gross Lupin, black teeth. And then Lupin shows. I was like, Spelliarmus, and Spelliarmus Harry's one. And I was like, uh, and then picks up zero. Like, a, oh, finally, the flesh refreshes the madness within. And, and then, and you notice that their friends <gasps> twist. And then Ethereum's like, I found him. No. Let's kill him. And then Hermione's like, No, I trusted you. you. You're a teacher. And it's like, like God damn it, Hermione. And By the he, way, he's a werewolf. That's why he's missing classes. He's like, How long have you known? Like since Snake sent the first, sent the exam, or since the essay, sorry. Yeah, made us do that fucking essay. And she's like, you really are the brightest switch of your age, Hermione. And he actually does legitimately mean that. 
one of the many memes of this of this series. A series like a oh, come on, you have to wait one more minute. Harry has to know why. How did my waiting twelve years of him in Azkaban? Yeah, so he's just like waiting. he's like, oh, I did my waiting. <laughs> he's just so ragged looking and gaunt. Mm-hmm. And it's gross. And I never really thought about it, but like the Shrieking Shack is like all these sort of like weird angles and stuff. It's like it's like Gringotts where it just doesn't feel everything is crooked and off center and it just feels creepy. Mm-hmm. Like everything's covered in yeah. dust and yeah, it's bad. And then yeah. Snape comes in and disarms Lupin and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, vengeance is sweet. <laughs> Oh, and he talks to Sirius like, I wanted we the one to catch you. And I knew that Dumbledore shouldn't have trusted you because you two are old friends. And then Sirius, I was like, Oh, Snape, oh, brilliant Snape. You always go to the wrong conclusion. <laughs> yeah. And I Just love like, this tiny detail. Even my boyfriend were watching it, he was like, But why did Harry run, uh, Harry grab Hermione's one? And I was like, uh, because I told him, I was like, you should have paid attention. Lupin disarmed Harry. That's why he grabs the he grabs the one from Hermione's pocket. But Ron grabs Hermione's arm because he knows that Hermione will get defensive and try to grab the one from Harry. Because Hermione is yeah. a scholar. It's the attention to detail. <laughs> and it's also just like he's closer to Hermione. So that's mm-hmm. why, I mean, I would assume Ron has his. Mm-hmm. As well, because it's like it's like your wallet. You never go anywhere without your wand. Yeah. And yeah. then he takes Hermione's wand, Expelliarmus, and just straight off <laughs> flings Snape over. He crashes into a bed. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, no, you attacked a teacher. I'm like, it's Snape. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he's just like, give me a reason. I I could do it, you know. But why deprive the Dementors of giving the Dementors kiss? Do I detect a hint of fear? It's supposed to be unbearable, but I'll do my best. Just give me a reason. I beg you. He hates these guys more than anybody, and he has every right. And I'm not me sounding like an Alfonso Cuaron shell, but this is the best fucking acting, this fucking scene in the full fucking franchise. So seeing all of the actors and confronting themselves Oh, like three twists, like four reveals in less than two minutes. It's a great yeah, moment. The whole thing is Harry is just like, all right, um, let's just hear them out. <laughs> and so they explain, he's just like, okay, so if it wasn't serious, he's who betrayed my parents? Who did it? Peter Pettigrew. Hey, how? And he's here in this room. <laughs> And I was like, uh, and then he was like, uh, he's right there. And Ron was like, how can it be me? No, you, you're right. <laughs> it has been me. I was like, this was my family for two years. That's not a, that's not coming for a common ride. He's missing a toe, isn't he? It was like, uh, the only thing that they found about yeah. Pettigrew was his finger. And they grabbed scabbers and we get into the transformation of Peter Pettigrew. Played by Timothy Spall, another great amazing, Spall. another amazing character actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I love how it, like after he transforms, he literally still has got the feet. Like he still looks and feels like a rat. Like he's like the way he's, he's been like, like, he's like, like he's his fucking buck teeth and the fact yeah. that his ears look just like his very awful hair. 
He's got yeah, like this and- gross like five o'clock shadow. This dude looks like a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Like straight yeah. up. He feels like he will lure your children with candy or somewhere. Well, he like- was on Ron Scratch in a particular scene in Philosopher's Stone, though. It's very disturbing <laughs> to know that that was a fully grown man. But yes, Gabbers <laughs> turns out to be Peter Pettigrew, a.k.a. Wormtail, which is what they will call him for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he's just then- like, Remus, serious, my old friends. <laughs> he tries running and they're just like, nope, you sold Lillian James out to Voldemort, didn't you? And I didn't. No, you have no idea how powerful the Dark Lord is. Posey possesses. What would you have done? And of course, Sirius is just like, I would have died. I would have died rather than betray my friends. And they're gonna yeah. straight up murder him. Mm-hmm. And then Harry is like, No. He's like, Harry, this man. He's like, I know what he is. But he's just like, Don't touch me. We'll take him to the castle, and then the Dementors can have him. Oh. <laughs> but also because Peter Pettigrew sells like a, if you if you are like James, your father will show me mercy. No, he wouldn't have. I don't yeah. think so. Are you James kidding me? Enough James Potter. Father. No. A lot of people no. don't also realize just how young Harry's parents were. They were twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. their age. Legitimately, they were they were in their twenties. When you're in your twenties, you don't give a fuck. He would not have done that, especially with what he did. Yeah, and it's surprising that they were in their twenties and they had a house and a whole Gringos vault full of money. Well, they only got married because it was during the Second War, yeah. so they felt like they it was better late than never. Are you saying that the Potters maybe invested in war, like in the Last Jedi, and that's how they won money before they died? Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The they, were, they were too busy raising Harry. Convenient for them, but also their downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, basically, they were given a secret location. It was a very complicated spell. Mm-hmm. And only somebody, they're assigned what's called a secret keeper. So only one person knows where they are. And then everybody thought it was going to be Sirius because Sirius was James' best friend. Mm-hmm. But Sirius changed it to Wormtail because he would be the last person that they would expect because he would be serious was the obvious choice. Only um, Lily James and Sirius knew this. <laughs> so when they died, because of course, Wormtail gave it to Voldemort and that's how Voldemort knew where they were. And he is, yes, the reason why Voldemort killed um, or how Voldemort was able to kill his parents. Mm-hmm. And find out where they lived and all that stuff. So yes, this man is responsible for that. He betrayed his friends and everything. And then Sirius took the blame. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. really sad to think about that. Well, Sirius losing, took losing the blame because 20. he was in the wrong moment with the wrong time. Yeah. And that was where actually when Fudge was talking about that earlier, he was the one that had to clean up the mess. Well, also because that technically exposition was deleted from the movie, though. Because if you read the book, you know that Sirius was technically also there that night, too. He was, and he was the one that actually found their bodies, and mm-hmm. he was the one that gave... I mean, Hagrid's motorcycle, that's Sirius's motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. let him have it, and um, he was the one that found Harry, who then gave him to Hagrid. Yep. And so Sirius took the blame and everything. 
And I love just how bitter Ron is because, yeah, he messes Ron's leg up pretty bad. Yeah. Just yeah. because, I mean, yeah, it's a dog bite. It's pretty rough. He's just like, you know, James said that I could be, uh, I could should live my life as a dog. I mean, the tail I could live with, but the fleas. Oh, just the look <laughs> on Ron's face. He's just like, I still don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> you mangled yeah. my leg, dude. He's just like, yeah. yeah, sorry about the leg. I was aiming for the rat. And he's just like, really? You have terrible aim. And he's just like, yeah, I know normally I'm not that bad, though. <laughs> yeah. But then they have that, that really nice conversation between Harry and Sirius. Like, for like, and what's really great about it is that that's, this is the first conversation that like Harry's had with a family member that is positive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even if it's like, not a biological that, family member, he's his godfather. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got... Yeah, so and like I've always loved like you know the conversation like like the fact that you know when Sirius sees Hogwarts for the first like first time he looks at just an awe and wonder about it like like and it's such a wonderful moment. But then, as because of the fast pace, it moves like into a transformation sequence of um, Professor Lupin. It's been foreshadowed, and Lupin. A, wet, a full moon appears mm-hmm. and you hear the heartbeat like oh in God. the back yes. and the eyes and the pupils dilate and everything and this transformation is rough like and you don't, don't want to be movie this is pretty cool it's pretty graphic for a pg movie yeah or pg-13 yeah. or no it is no, it's pg, PG. It is yeah PG. no the next one is the that's when they start doing pg-13 mm-hmm. yeah i remember I that it was like a big thing also because i wasn't old enough to see goblet of fire so i was like Ooh, what is this <laughs> children <laughs> i was a child <laughs> i was nine year, or yeah it was 2005 for goblet of fire yeah i was nine years old that was the perfect age yeah them. and then after lupin transforms into a werewolf he does the, the the great howl which they literally just recreated in doctor who like literally two years later <laughs> they, nice. did. they did and of course snape is oh yeah i did think to myself why is the Whomping Willow not attacking them? They do have an answer for that mm-hmm. um, in the third act, which we will get to. That's a very complicated. Very, oh, uh, yes. It, it could is. have been easily messy, but they make it all make sense. But this is where the sequence happens, where Sirius transforms into a dog, fights Lupin, gets his ass kicked, gets thrown against some rock. Snape gets the shit scared out of him, as he would, mm-hmm. as he, anybody would, against a yeah. fucking werewolf. And, uh, the werewolf is coming after Harry because he threw a rock at Lupin, but then Lupin goes uh, down because he hears a but a female because it it'll only go after the call of another uh, of a mate. But also talking about the way that they Sirius and Lupin are fighting, the way that we focus on Snape defending the children is a great moment of like seeing the fight, focusing on Snape, seeing the fight, focusing on Snape. It's a great yeah. moment too, even though that yeah. Snape is like. Harry, you just fucking attacked me. I was like, oh, but I'm a teacher. I have to defend you. You're minors. I love it. I mean, he hates them, but he doesn't want to kill them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a difference between hating somebody and wanting to kill somebody. That's that's a pretty big difference. Well, it's also the duality mm-hmm. of name when you know his whole backstory, too. It is. It is. Yes, they go down, and then this is where Harry... Has to face because Sirius goes down by the lake in the Forbidden Forest, and uh, shit ton of Dementors show up, <laughs> and then yeah. it's very graphic because it starts sucking the souls out of. They start performing the Dementors kiss on not only Sirius. Harry starts the Patronus at first, but it's just too much for them. Yeah. 
and uh, then starts sucking Harry's soul out simultaneously. And it gets so bad that you see the little uh, white ball come out of Sirius's mouth, and it's mm-hmm. his soul just floating there. But then you see in the distance this stag, mm-hmm. which is a it's a male yeah. deer, and it's just this big ass it's a big patronus mm-hmm. and it wipes out all the dementors and then harry passes out and then we get to the third act we're finally yeah. two hours in about to start the third act oh my god the third act um i love the setup especially because ronnie was like uh he's like a uh, or wounded it was like uh and then dumbledore arrives it was like uh they're gonna and then here coming was like they're gonna perform the kiss in a few hours so it was like uh but what we're gonna do, and I love the thing that Dumbledore he's like, uh, well, I cannot say what three 13 year olds are telling me right now, they're not gonna believe me, but there could be another way. And he talks to Hermione just three times. I think that, that would be trick. enough. That, More that than be. one innocent life can be saved mm-hmm. if you do this correctly. Good luck, wink. Wait. And then he's like, I'm out. <laughs> Close the door. Ron's MIA. They're just like, your leg's messed up. No, but Ron was you like, what the fuck do. he was talking about? I was like, sorry, Ron. You're, you're, you're wounded. You cannot come. You're useless. You're out of yeah. here for the rest of this movie. And uh, then I love when Hermione... Oh, yeah. Did you notice also during uh, Hagrid's lesson that Hermione had the necklace? She had the time turner over uh, her shirt. Oh, so it's right there. Oh, I, know, I, I noticed wow. the chain and I was like, oh shit, yeah. She would be wearing the time turner because she yeah. puts the chain around Harry and she, um, I love when she's turning it back. Harry's trying to grab it. She just slaps his hands away. <laughs> she's like, fuck yeah. you. It's mine. It's like, no. <laughs> just yeah. one, two, three. And then you hear and you see everything back. And the score, you hear the ticking mm-hmm. for like, from there to when they get Buckbeak, mm-hmm. you hear the ticking in the background. Like at first, it's like, and then it starts to slow down a little bit. Like, and then it just disappears. Yeah, fucking love that, John Williams. Imagine if Nolan directed Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Like, time. No, talking about. Oh, no. Also, the way that you're reminding me of like a soundtrack with kind of like a clock, it reminded me also of glass that you can hear kind of like the ticking, like. And the clock tower is right above the hospital wing. Yes. Too. And we've seen multiple times of just like going into the clock and the mm-hmm. cogs in mechanism there. And we see the pendulum. And every time Harry seems to be getting closer and higher up into the clock tower. There's, That's an, alternate, great- there's an alternate universe where Alfonso Cuaron did Back to the Future. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of. Um, yeah, because. Hermione has what is called a time turner. Mm-hmm. It's only in this movie. For plot reasons. Yes, because J.K. Rowling knew that she how was powerful this over if she used how, it again. Yes, and how complicated it would become mm-hmm. if they did mm-hmm. it. And then she's just like, no, we can't be seen by anybody. We can't really do anything. But we have to go back and we got to figure out something. Because and- remember, like they said, more than one innocent life could be saved. And we gotta Harry, go back and save series. And please, Harry, don't buy a sports almanac in our way, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they go back in time. And once again, we see events from different angles, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that Harry's just like, nice punch. 
And we see the hand do the thing, mm-hmm. like I mentioned earlier. And we see Malfoy running away, and he's just like, if you mention this to anybody, <laughs> I'm going to get that mudblood. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry, I had to. It's all right. But then they're just like, okay, well, let's go down. And then they go down, and then events start playing out, and we see Harry, he's just like, there's Pettigrew. And then Hermione's like, no, 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 you can't go in there. You can't just burst in there, dude. Mm-hmm. You, you'll think you've gone insane. Bad things have happened to wizards that have messed with time. Mm-hmm. As we will find out in Cursed Child. Oh! That, that oh, movie is not yeah. canon. Not to me. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Has good things in it, but I don't care. I absolutely hate that story. <laughs> I'm never, I'm never, I will see it if it's like playing, like if it's in the theater or whatever. I'll go see it out of curiosity. From what I've read, no. It's fucking awful. What if, talking about like a Curse Child adapted by Ryan Johnson? So it's like Looper. Looper. Oh my god, yes! Which is another amazing time travel movie. And Mm -hmm. I'm mentioning these because time travel is a very, very tricky subject to get Mm -hmm. done right. Very few movies can get it done. Right. Well, or I'm also they... making this a joke just to fuck up with the fandom. That Ryan Johnson will go into another <laughs> fandom of the Harry Potter fans. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Johnson's Harry Potter will be a very different Harry Potter. Oh, yes, it will. <laughs> God, if you can oh. imagine, like, Deathly Hallows, how insane can that you, would be. Can you imagine if M. Night Shyamalan actually made a Harry oh, Potter movie? Oh, my God! He just <laughs> made Raul just, like, nerdgasm. Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... So it turns out they're just like they're not they're not going. Mm-hmm. So it turned out Hermione was the one that threw like the shell rock mm-hmm. and broke the vase and hit Harry in the back of the head. Yeah, it really hurt. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, no, we gotta give it back. Then we see the them go back in the tree, and then Hermione, Hermione is just like, is that what I is that what my hair looks like from the back? <laughs> and then the the one branch, and then Hermione turns back and she's like, I thought I saw. Never mind. Mm-hmm. So it was herself. Yeah. Oh. Mm. So then they go up. And then that's when they try to get Buckbeak. And Buckbeak's just chilling. Yeah. He's just literally down there. Yeah. Harry bows and he's just like, bows right back. Mm-hmm. And Buckbeak can't get moved. Oh, yeah. They're just like, we got to make sure that the minister sees Buckbeak. Otherwise, they'll think that Hagrid let him free. Mm-hmm. So they do yeah. that. And then, like any animal getting them to move, just gets his food, which is dead ferrets. There are a lot of dead ferrets. <laughs> yep. And yeah. Hermione's just like, hey, here, you want the ferret? Here, come here, get it. And then they get him. And then they're just like, what the heck happened? He was right there. Couldn't have been haggard, though. I mean, he was right it's there. Right here. It's like, yeah. It's amazing what creatures can do. Executioner, your, your services are no longer required. And then he's so angry that he just slices a pumpkin. The ridiculously large pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for framing the framing uh, luck, that's why the kids thought in the past that Bobby was dead because of the three. Yep. Great framing, Alfonso. See, everything is coming together. Mm-hmm. It's all coming yeah. together, and then they come into the forest with Buckbeak, and they come to the cert- they come to the Whomping Willow, and they're just like they see Lupin go in. He used Immobilis, which was mm-hmm. on the Pixies. He froze the Whomping Willow. The book yep. it was done a little bit differently, but for 
this movie I understand. And then we see Snape following him, and then they're just like, now we wait. Mm-hmm. And as it happens, a bunch of bats come over. Buckbeak eats a couple of the bats, by the way. <laughs> Never noticed yeah. that. Well, they're just like, someone's having a good time. Because remember, in 2005, Batman Begins happened, and so you see Bruce Wayne opening It was 2004, the though. I know, but I'm making it kind of like a joke. But this was, they were probably in production by that time, mm-hmm. so. Or at least post-production. Um, and then uh, they're just waiting. And uh, then it happens when it comes to the last act with Lupin turning into a werewolf. And then they can't find a... Um, oh, yeah. Pettigrew escaped, by the way, mm-hmm. during the whole yeah. uh, ordeal. They can't do anything about it. But uh, Hermione, in order to get Lupin away from past Harry, is the one that did the werewolf call. Yeah. And like, then they're oh! like, and then they're like, uh, yeah, now what? Yeah, I didn't think that all the way through. Then our last big horror scene, which is like straight up like American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. like even with like the transformation and stuff, even though it was CG. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like how he's they're sneaking around the tree. They do the whole like. Uh, turning over to the tree and then turns to the other side and then you see Lupin is right there or Werewolf Lupin is right there about to attack him. But that's why they got Buckbeak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just beats the shit out of him. And they're just oh. like, oh man, it's a rough night for Professor Lupin. <laughs> oh yeah. Good joke. Harry is convinced that his dad was the one that cast the Patronus and Hermione's like, that can't be possible. Your dad's dead. And then he's like, I I just know he'll be here any minute because then we see the Dementors and then nothing's happening. He's like, any minute now. But then Harry is the one that does the big expecto Patronum. <laughs> the angelic music mm-hmm. of like everything wiping out all the Dementors. That never happens again except in the... Be- uh, the and last movie. part two. Mm-hmm. Yes, with yeah. a certain character and underrated character actor as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it turns out they're just like, "All right, got it." And Harry passes out, and then they're flying on Buckbeak, which Hermione absolutely hates. She doesn't do flying. Yep. She's yeah. Like, she's like Obi Wan in that regards. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turns out she, he's just like, "I didn't see my dad. I saw myself." Because, you know, he looks just like his dad. Mm-hmm. I know I could do it because I'd done it already. Does that make any sense? No. no. <laughs> and she's like, I don't like flying. And they see, then we see Sirius that like he's on the top of the tower. And the epic pose of just I really looking epic straight pose. at the camera, which they use in every fucking trailer. Yep. Yeah. And I then remember her- that distinctly, especially with the Expecto Patronum. Yeah, and, and the Hermione is like a bombarda, and they they free Sirius, and then we get into that like Sirius saying goodbye to Harry for now. It's it's very sweet moment. Yeah, yeah, and like the moments where he talks with Lupin and Sirius, those are just very nice. Mm-hmm. That Harry needs them, and now he has two more. In the hero's journey, he comes across many enemies mm-hmm. and allies, and these are very much his allies. Like, we already have the Weasleys. We're going to get even more in Order of the Phoenix. But now he has Lupin, he has Dumbledore, 
and now he has Sirius. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, yeah. Um, you know, you can't be with me. I'm not a free man because the truth, um, that was another reason why he's just like, why didn't you kill Pettigrew? And he's just like, I didn't want my friend, my dad's friends to be murderers. And also he's the only one that knows the truth. So the truth mm-hmm. would die with him. Very smart on yeah. Harry's part. And he's just like, he even offered to like, Sirius was like, if you want to live with me, I was just spitballing there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Harry, of course, would be like, Yeah. And he's just like, you're probably tired of hearing this, but you look so much like your father, except for your <laughs> eyes, my mother's eyes, I know. Yeah. And speaking of like John Williams, like th- like if this is the reason why I think John Williams' score is my favorite in, in this film. Like like my favorite John Williams is because especially when Bugby takes seriously, flies off and is like and the epic score which they played in the Goblet of Fire teaser trailer, it's such a beautiful melody. I've got it yes, and like I did do that. I've got it yeah <laughs> and i've got it downloaded on my phone it's just it's so beautiful i actually listen to it quite a lot it's, often it's on the rock. same piece of music whenever lupin talks with harry too with yeah. that flute playing and it's very calm and stuff and yeah. uh then even serious he gets on Buckbeak, and he really and then he goes to hermione he's like you really are the brightest witch of your age and then he flies off into the night sort of free but on the run yeah but he's like you know the truth and for me for now, that's enough. And it's like, yeah. oh man, so the prisoner of Azkaban, which is Sirius Black, he's actually a good guy. Yeah. Okay. Good with that. And uh, yeah, then it turns out Harry the next day goes to Lupin's office. He's playing some jazz, but he's packing up because Lupin resigned because somebody let loose of my condition. Yeah. He's just like, well, Dumbledore did as much as he could, mm-hmm. but uh, I resigned because parents obviously wanted some want somebody like me teaching their kids. I mean, like the race allegory is very very clear. Yeah, he's just like people like me are used to it, but he's like, yeah. now that I'm no longer your teacher and I'm your friend, keep the map. So now Harry has a map to show where everybody's at and an invisibility <laughs> cloak. It's a good thing he's not evil. Otherwise, that's pretty. those are pretty bad things in the wrong person's hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got to end this movie somehow. Ah, yeah. I mean, it's such a, such a great like final scene. You guys do How it. How do you Take do it, Matthew? Oh, you want me to? Oh, yeah, okay, so, so they... they um, so they go to the to the um the main hall and all the ghosts are cheering and celebrating and so and then they bring out a new like new broomstick, new broom like Ron Pete Yeah, we should pick that. and it's like and it's the fastest like broom of its age. The fireball. Firebolt fuck, fucking great name for a for a broom. That's just like that's like Honestly, just like one of the greatest. It's a shame they don't use it a lot of more often in the Harry Potter films. Mm-hmm. They only use it like for this, and then like Half Blood Prince's Quidditch match, um, and so and then. Oh no, the opening the, of uh, Order of the Phoenix. They do fly. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Of course. Sorry, my bad. My bad. But it's, it's Harry's um, broom for the rest of the franchise. Harry's broom for it, and it's and uh, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna go for it. Uh, let me, let, let's try it, and then like. He goes off, he flies, and then it ends on one of the greatest, like, final, final shots. Ah! Ah! Free frame. And it's free frame. <laughs> the free frame. 
and then it ends in like and then Harry says, I, I do solemnly swear that I'm not to no good. And then and, it, and then if and then for the first time in like the franchise, and the only time it actually shows the, the actual title in the end credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they, if they, if they never, they've never done that in any of the other Harry Potter films. You're right. And then also they it's like done in the style of the Marauders rap directed by Alfonso Coron. And then if you stick around to the end of the credits, you hear mischief managed. And then it just closes, disappears, back to like the title sequence, and then there we go. That was yeah. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, a big, big movie that we have now finally checked off. Oh yes, yeah. So yeah, do we have any closing thoughts? I think we can. Um, yeah, anything you want to add? to this movie that hasn't already been said. There's been uh, so many details in this. I don't know if this is true, but I remember reading on a, from a magazine that Alfonso did not like the screenplay. And I heard that Alfonso did a lot of like a, what you call it right now, like a script doctoring. Like he did polish, a lot of, he polished polish. the screenplay a lot. It feels like it. And so I was like, a, Damn you, Alfonso. And this is the other thing that I read from a magazine after Prisoner of Azkaban. Alfonso did not want to make another one because Warner Brothers offered Alfonso Cuarón, I don't know if it's true, that they offered him $50 million to direct the next three films. And he refused because he didn't like living in London because he liked living in family and his family going between Mexico and Europe. That's a good point. And they did film for like pretty much a better part of almost a year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, these big budget movies, they do take a long time to film, especially with how long these movies are. Yeah. The longer the film is, the more like that's why the last two Avengers movies, they took like a year and a half to film because they filmed them back to back. And yeah. like Endgame itself is almost three hours. Mm-hmm. Right? I think it is three hours. Exactly. It is three hours. Yeah like counting credits and stuff, but even, even so, um, so I can understand that, but it's his one film in the franchise, but man, he made his mark and nobody ever topped it. Yeah. I mean, some tried, but no one topped it. So yeah, like for me, yeah, this is the best film in the franchise, like the best made film Everything from the cinematography to the script to the themes, everything about this movie just really, really works. And it, there was a lot of care put into this. And Alfonso Coron was the best choice for moving this franchise forward into like a more darker direction, more reveals for the overarching plot. The kids are growing up more and it's, it's becoming more adult. And yeah. it's a good thing that he worked with adults because if had he done the first two movies, this, this franchise would have never gone because he didn't work with children. He's much more yeah. uh, adaptable with adults and they were becoming like young adults at that point. They were becoming much more mature so they could grow as actors and all that stuff. And yeah, I just think it's a really, really well-made movie. Uh, top five for sure. Many people, like I said, this is their favorite mm-hmm. of the franchise. Yeah. Not even just critics, just fans of Harry Potter in general. And you can yeah, totally see why. 
Yeah, it's my favorite personally. It sounds like it's my favorite like film in the franchise, but I wouldn't. But favorite story that will, that's a very controversial opinion I might have on my favorite story, but I'll save that for sometime else. Ooh. So that we. But I might as well spoil it. It's Half Blood Prince. Half Blood Prince is my favorite story in like both book and in the film version. Interesting. Well, that's the thing. My favorite of book wise is Half Blood Prince, and I don't like the movie because everything that they cut out from the film, from the book. Oh, we'll get that, there that, because, that is, yeah, that. we're gonna have you back for Half Blood Prince. I'm just gonna tell everybody this right now. We've yeah. been. We've been wanting to do this because Matthew needs to defend Half Blood Prince because I have a lot of oh. I'm sort of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I love I love Half Blood Prince. There's a lot of stuff in it I do not like, but there's a lot of stuff I or there is some stuff I do like mm-hmm. as well. So I'm more I'm more in the middle. It's gonna be like our Rogue One where I'm just the moderator. <laughs> it's gonna be a very interesting episode. Although your hate for Half Blood Prince isn't as strong as Rogue One. Oh no 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 it's not absolutely not. I don't understand it, but. I will forever just enjoy the crap out of it. But uh, yeah, Raul, as a Mexican man, represent or praising another Mexican man. Yeah. Uh, just do you have any other thoughts about Half Blood Print or Prisoner of Azkaban um, before we rate this thing? Because I think uh, we all have pretty high ratings for this. Uh, this movie is fucking perfect. We already said it. Cinematography, direction, music, acting, everything is amazing. Yes, of course, you're gonna gonna nitpick the flashbacks that we just mentioned about like Sirius was there in that moment that night, the thing about the Marauders and the relationship with Snape and all of those kind of like things. Yes, it's important, but it doesn't harm the story talking about editing wise. That's when we get to have Black Prince. The editing harms. The editing from the book compared to movie in House of Blood Prince compared to you when I'm doing the nitpick here in Prisoner of Azkaban. And yeah. for me, like, I think it's no doubt this is a fucking 11 for me. This is a masterpiece. This is one of my favorite ones in the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, Matthew, on a scale of 1 to 10? I don't grade out of 10. Or just so, like, hi, uh, what... Uh, so I... So I go, I I go to well I'm gonna go to my leather box because I rated it just uh, literally after I rewatched the movie I gave it a four and a half out of five on Letterbox. Yeah, just said and, and the only thing I said was this and Half Blood Prince are the only great ones in this franchise. It's got a lot of heart, action, suspense, and magic. It's hard to not love this one. Mm. So. I will agree. I'm actually gonna give this movie a ten. This is like Yay. it might be in this rewatch so far. It's my favorite, but. It's it's definitely one of my top three, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm. It might be my second favorite, but this is very very high up there. <laughs> wait till you get Goblet. Wait till you get to Goblet. Double fire. fire is great for different reasons, but oh. I mean, just like Harry Potter <laughs> in general. This might I don't know. This might be my favorite. Um, I gotta rewatch the entire franchise first, mm. but uh, yeah, it's just really. This is the point where like a lot of people knew that this was like something special mm-hmm. because yeah. up until this point franchises didn't really last you got maybe like a trilogy and then that was it also talking about uh, other kind of facts did you know that guillermo del toro was offered for this movie and he said no 
But when Alfonso got it, he said no technically at first, but Guillermo was like, convince him because Alfonso did not knew nothing about the films or the books. So Guillermo yeah, convinced them to read them. I think he did it because of his kids uh-huh. as well. Because of like Jonas. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, because a lot of kids did that. That's why Chris Columbus did it. Because his kids loved the franchise mm-hmm. or like loved the books so much that he got into them. And then mm. that's why he did those. So I'm glad that Guillermo was able to convince Alfonso. And mm-hmm. we... So there's an the alternate audience, universe where Guillermo del Toro make Prisoner of Azkaban. I want to see the alternate universe where we see Guillermo del Toro's Hobbit movies, his two Hobbit movies yeah. that he was going to do. No, they, they would be great. He was going to do the universe. Hobbit movies for a long time. Guillermo del Toro was offered for Hobbit Prince. I think it would have been a much better movie. I think, <laughs> I don't know. His style is maybe a bit too fantastic. Imagine the creatures the, in the oh cave. God. They would have been nightmare fuel. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They would have yeah. loved Lovecraftian style. He would have made some yeah. Lovecraft shit. He would have made a great movie, yeah. for sure. He's His eyes and glasses looking like Professor Trelawney. Mm-hmm. We love you, Guillermo. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that was half... Uh, that was Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. We talking Half-Blood Prince. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that was Prisoner of Azkaban. So, with that said, um, I mean, yes, next week, obviously, is a big one, Goblet of Fire. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the person that we wanted on because of time zone differences and that just makes me really sad we went to our friend morgan we mm-hmm. love you morgan and we miss you buddy and we need to definitely catch up sometime he does his own podcast and speaking of other podcasts and just doing the plugs where can the good people find you matthew mm-hmm. so you can find me on twitter at mattmovies1998 you can also follow me on instagram at mattmovies1998 and you can also follow uh, my uh well our radio show culture corner on radio harrow which is a show that me and my good friend james wilson present we talk movies we talk tv shows we talk games we talk all things culture everything culture related it's just it's it's so much fun and We've had Billy on as a guest. Uh, Rao, I really wanted you to come mm-hmm. on as a guest. I don't know what movie you want, we want to discuss with you. Maybe it might be something from Inyaritu or maybe... When, whenever when, whenever Bardo comes out, which is Inyaritu's next film, I want you to come on ah! our show because I know, you're such, I, know, I know you and the other Rao are such big fans of Inyaritu. Oh, because so. the next one is from the Children's Heroes, right, Billy? The next one from yeah, Inyaritu? Yeah, Ah, okay, yes. That's the one movie that I care about in your ritual right now. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and where can the good people find you? Buddy? You can find me as always at RoboRDC on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and on TikTok at RoboRDC. And also, as always, also please follow us on, on I was going to say TikTok, on Twitter on SYNS Pod. <laughs> and also, please give us a review at Five Stars and you, Billy. Yes, you can follow me on my personal accounts on Twitter at Master of Puns196, as well as Letterboxd, which is the same name. You can also follow me on Instagram at Billy Batson's Lightning. Nothing is capitalized. And once again, you can follow our main Twitter, uh, our main show Twitter at SYNS Pod, and give us a five star and just write a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also listen to us on Google, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, um, wherever podcasts are listened to. And as always. See you next summer. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>